Hello, welcome to episode 19? 18. Eight. <laughs> well, well, we, all that time we spent clarifying has all gone to waste. Uh, this is abnormal mapping. This is a cool Sogi episode and we're gonna be talking about Final Fantasy 7 later, the rest of it, but first say hello to here on the podcast with me is Destiny Sturdivant. Hi! And no one else. You know, as your regular <laughs> co-host, who gave up his hosting seat to you for this one time, I feel like you should treat me with some fucking courtesy. Really? Yeah, a little. Yeah, More than I've been given, anyway. Or giving out. I'm not asking you to defer to me in all things, I just want a little <laughs> consideration. How's everyone doing? Pretty good. Playing them games. Which, which ones? Who's played a video game? Who wants to talk about a video game? Is that what we're doing here? I don't know. I wasn't even introduced properly. This is Matthew Marco. Thank you, Destiny. I thought you were going to say your name at some point, but I was just going to keep ignoring you. (laughs) You're never allowed (laughs) to host these again. (laughs) Matthew Marco is a regular co-host of Abnormal Mapping, which can be found on abnormalmapping.com and the iTunes. Thank you. No problem. Gives a rate and review. Yeah, Matt's going to review this really low, but just this one episode. One now. star. I can't, you can't give reviews <laughs> to individual episodes. <laughs> It'd be good. If only. If only. I would never self-sabotage my own project like that. Not even you to spite you, Jackson. He says now. I, I don't know. We, one day you will hit your limit, and we'll see how far you will go to spite me. No, I'll just give Trashback one star. <laughs> oh, hater. That's fair enough. What if I just um, delete all of your videos off the YouTube channel? That'd be really mean, Matt. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I'll delete all yours. That would take a long time. (laughs) It really would. I think that's enough intro bullshit. How's everyone doing? What's going on? Who wants to talk about a video game? I'll talk about a video game, unless Matt wanted to go first. I played Call of Duty (laughs) 1. No, Did did. you? No. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll go first, sure. I've, uh... I had to stop playing Hotful Boyfriend to come do this podcast, which made me sad because I'm nearing the end of that. And that's been a pretty delightful experience. If you don't know, it's a visual novel. The original was released for free by a visual novel creator who made it as kind of a parody of the form. Uh, and then it kind of became a cult thing in the West. And then Devolver picked it up for like an HD version, uh, redid a lot of the art and uh, made a nice special edition that you can buy on Steam. And that's a... It's a dating sim in which you are the only human in your environment, your human girl who goes to this high school that's all of birds, because birds have taken over the world, basically, and they're sentient, and you can date them, and it's just kind of high school hijinks, but everyone's a bird but you, and it's very strange. Uh, but that's really the only thing strange thing about it. The rest of it's just kind of a visual novel. Like, there's one like dating track that's a little spooky and there's one about your best friend growing up and his mom's sick and he's in poor health and it's all like oh who's gonna take care of who in this situation and there's one that's kind of like secret agent tinged and there's one with the hot teacher that you're into or whatever and it just kind of unfolds from there and that's the thing i really liked about that game it, it as a fan of visual novels it is the most visual novels but um, I think it's weird that this has become a big thing just because of its like gimmick. And that mm-hmm. makes me sad because I think visual novels are super cool, but most people see them and they're like, Oh, anime trash game. No, thank you. Yeah. 
like do you feel like people who come into it feel this is a way more pointed send up of visual novels? I think if you have the background it becomes really obvious what it is and yeah. how it's about. No, I know I know that. Like the minute you have the trope of, oh, like this is your best friend, but he's sickly and his mom is not doing well. You're like, well, she's going to be dead and I'm going to support him. And that's how our relationship's going to happen because that's how it happens in these things all the time. Uh, that, like, that's just a trope of these types of stories. How easy is it to ignore the fact that everyone is a bird? Um, <laughs> I think it's great that everybody's a bird, but I don't know. It doesn't. Like, it comes in a little bit in that, like, they'll be like, oh, you're a, you're just a human. You wouldn't understand about stuff. And, like, when molting season happens, you'll have to go clean up feathers. And that's, like, a class activity. Um, you can enable anime portraits of everybody when they're introduced of, like, their human version. Uh, which is hilarious only in that they don't, like, outside of very broad, uh, like, color uh, aesthetics, there isn't much relation between the picture and the actual bird. Um but hilariously, one of the characters doesn't have a human version. It's just a drawing of his bird form in the, like, the anime style. Oh, <laughs> That's amazing. That's the best thing yep. we've said about this whole game. Yep. He's also like a, he, like, cause the birds have been like gaining sentience because of plot stuff I won't get into, but he's like still semi-feral in that he only talks in coups that everyone kind of tries to interpret, interpret in their own way. Um, he's the track star. He's kind of dumb, but in a charming way. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a fun game. Uh, it's no Danganronpa. Makes me want to go and play Danganronpa 2. What are you going to play next month? Danganronpa 2. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's good. I bought Danganronpa 2, but I don't own Danganronpa 1, so. Yeah, don't do that. I might play How to Fall Boyfriend, but if I want to play a video novel, those are the ones I want to do, because the stuff you said about yeah. Danganronpa makes me the most excited. Yeah, How to Fall Boyfriend's really fun, but I don't think it's exceptional in a realm where, like, is a great visual novel that's on Steam for free. Go play that. It's really sad. You'll ball your eyes out. Right. I own that. I'm afraid to play it because you said it's sad. Yeah, you are in a, like, hospice for terminally ill kids because you're one, and you're, the person you meet is one, and you kind of have this budding relationship when you're both teens. Yep. It's, it's, yeah. That sounds like the worst. Like, Visual as far novels, as... I'm going to cry they're, so much. They're, they're always tragic. I'm going to cry so much. Yeah, I don't they're know if either, I want to cry that much. They're either super tragic or super goofy. That's the only two forms of visual novel I know of. Goofy forever. I I like the tragic ones. I just I, I like tragedy, but like that's a specific kind of tragedy that I don't know if I can handle. But you know, I I like I said, I own it on my tablet. I should play it. Mm-hmm. I I think I think it's time for me to cry that much. <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen soon. This is free, right? Yeah, it's on Steam. Like me, a good sad video game story. There aren't enough of them. Mm-hmm. So, Destiny, what were you going to talk about? I have played a little, uh... Were you, Matt, were you just laughing at my inept segue there? No, <laughs> no. I was laughing at, depending on what she says, it could be the perfect segue. Okay. <laughs> I played a little thing called uh, Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Speaking of endless tears. Yes. <laughs> nice. I, we're like a duo. We're like Gracie Allen and uh, George Burns over here. Anyway, um... So, this is the uh, remake of Binding of Isaac. It's a game. Uh-huh. It's fun. Uh-huh. Uh, I like it because 
it isn't as laggy as the Flash version. I can play it on my Vita now. And um, at first I didn't really like the new music, but I really like it now. I like all the new items. I mean, as, as many as I've unlocked. And it's just something I've been putting way too much time into, and I expect to put way more time into, especially now that I'm done with uh, Final Fantasy VII. Why don't you explain to people what Binding of Isaac is, if they don't know? It's the story of a baby whose mom <laughs> is trying to kill him. And what kind of game is it? <laughs> it is a... Well, they tell me it's a roguelike. And uh, having little uh, background on that sort of thing... I uh, believe them when they tell me that. <laughs> I enjoy it. It reminds me of Zelda. What were you going to say? This is just my favorite thing. What's happening right now? This is the best. <laughs> uh, it, it, it has, you know, once you die, you have to start all over again and get new items. Um, each Like you're going through these floors of this basement going deeper and deeper and deeper until you have to fight your mother. And uh, there's a bunch of like power-up items you get throughout and each floor has a shop a mini boss not each floor but it's sort of random uh but there's always a boss and there's always a treasure room until you get deeper in and you just get all these power-ups and you can unlock characters and unlock different items and unlock different enemies and it's it's super fun it's greatest did you have anything you wanted to add matt since you were leading me it's the best game ever it's up there anyway. I love it. I, really lo- I love Bonnie of Isaac. Me I too. kind of got you into it and you did. destroyed your life. Yeah. Hundreds of hours. I was unemployed and I put in like 250 hours and I still play it from time to time. Uh, that was even before Rebirth came out. Yep. Um, Rebirth to me is interesting because it was already a game that was kind of overstuffed with items and they kind of took this pass to not only add more things but to change how items are... Because the way the game worked is you once you beat the game, like a bunch of stuff unlocked, and when you met certain conditions, like beat certain bosses or got certain items, you'd unlock more content in the game. Uh, so the 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 more you played the game, the harder the game got. But then they released an expansion that kind of just d- dumped in a bunch of items, but it kind of dumped them all in at once. So if you started the original Binding of Isaac and Wrath of the Lamb like fresh. It was like a really hard version of the game, and now all that stuff has been re-put back behind the various walls, so I feel like Rebirth is a much easier, more approachable version of the game to start off with. Um, not to say it's an easy game, no, because it's not. I but... still have not even beat Mom yet. Whereas I like have beaten Mom's Heart four times already. Yeah. And <laughs> in, it... about, in about eight games that I've played of that, You're I just keep monster. winning. I played a lot of Binding Music. Yeah. I'm pretty good at that game. Yeah. That's the thing. I've played so much of it that I'm way better at it than I probably should be, but I have yet to uh, beat Mom. I've only gotten to Mom twice, and mm-hmm. I have not beat her yet. But the thing I've always liked about Binding of Isaac versus like, something like Spelunky, which are maybe the two biggest roguelikes in the modern era, um, is Binding of Isaac is much more like Rogue in the punitive, sometimes you just pull the items that you can't do anything with card, where, like, your roll will be bad and you just won't get anything out of it. Like, Spelunky, you can beat that game with, like, zero items and just by going and being good at the game. And you can do that with Binding of Isaac, but I think the game is built way more that some runs you become, like, an overpowered god and some runs you just get shit on. Yep. And I appreciate the game just forcing you to roll with that. I don't... I, I like the... 
heavy randomization element of this game over something like Splunky, which is much more systems driven and much more capable to be like learned and mastered. I want a game that forces me to more grapple with struggling with its like peccadillos and uh, tangents and what the, the weird things it might throw at me. I think that's the fun in a game like this is learning to roll with the punches, even when the punches are hilarious and want to screw you over. One thing I really appreciate about, appreciate about this game, even though I don't do this myself, um, I watch the Binding of Isaac League Racing on Twitch, which is run by this guy, Crumps2, and I like how this new game has incorporated a lot of elements that are gonna be, going to be really helpful to, like, speedrunners and competitive players, and, uh, I, I think that's really impressive, and at the same time, it's, like, balancing the intent of the creators, like, what they wanted in the game without pandering too much to fans, but, like, there's a clock now, and you can move the map around, and... And I'm... you can create... You can put a seed in when you start the game. So yeah. So people can start with the same map. So it's really nice how the, those sort of things and how the fans interact with the game, like, that was all considered and went in. And I think that's super cool. Mm-hmm. It's also perfect on Vita, I must point out. I'm enjoying <laughs> the hell out of it on Vita. I don't think it's perfect on Vita at all. I think you just have a problem with the way the Vita controls in general. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, my problem with the Vita is that I don't actually like the buttons and the sticks, just in general. I think if this was on a different, uh, if the Vita I felt don't use better the in my hands. Uh, no, I, I use one stick and I use the, um, face buttons. Yeah, I, I use D-pad and face buttons. Ditto. And then, like, it depends on the game, but yeah, I rarely use the analog sticks. But I played original Binding of Isaac with keyboard and, uh, actually, there was no mouse, it was, uh, wasd and arrow keys. Yeah, that's that's how I, I played. Yeah. And it took some getting used to, but eventually it was fine. I'd like to play it on the PS4 when, you know, in four years. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I've played some Rebirth, I see why it's the best thing, but I'm at, like, ten hours at most with the original Isaac. It's like barely yeah. that. Like, I'm not, I'm not that into that game, so I haven't reached the point where uh, every run doesn't take it out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just play every once in a while. Load it up and go through a run. I yeah, I think eventually you will find why it doesn't click, or you will find the click. Yeah. Part of it might just be the, the shooter part of it. I just don't know. Which, uh, I don't know. I like bullet hell shooters, so I should mm-hmm. be into this. Uh, I mean, it's not always a bullet hell shooter. Uh I think most of the bosses aren't, which means the ones that are, like, like Mom's Heart is, turns into a bullet hell boss, and that's why I'm pretty good at killing it, because that's easy compared to some of the bosses. Yeah, that, all the ones that are easier are the ones that are more bullet hellish. Yeah. I, I understand the framework there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find Gemini really difficult as a boss for some reason. I think Me that's too. At least I haven't seen it before, but I bet it was in the old Yeah, game. no, it's not new, but it rely, that one relies upon you having a high speed so you can outrun it. Yeah, and I, I I don't understand the game anywhere deep enough a level, so I'm at the, at the bottom. But I, I can see the parts. I can see the video game. I'm bad at the gate, and I just realized that the gate is directly inspired, unlike, or excuse me, just like a lot of the other bosses in the game, directly inspired by, like, old-school Zelda bosses, and there's a specific dragon that you have to fight in Link to the Past mm-hmm. that... I am pretty sure it was the last boss I played before I stopped playing that game completely. And uh, the Binding of Isaac boss, the gate, is based off of that. And I mm-hmm. only beat him once. 
Yeah, no, he's the gate's hard. Yeah, like I know his pattern, but I still suck at dodging his little purple flames. Mm-hmm. So, Jackson, what have you been playing? I've forgotten. Hang on. No, no. I've been playing... Wait, I have been playing Resident Evil 4, but there was another one. Yes, I remember. I played through Broken Age. The oh, okay. Double Fine Adventure Kickstarter Extraordinaire released Oh, the game of this year. controversy and intrigue. Tim Schafer can't count to two. I, I don't know. I, what is... I have, people I were angry when they split that game up because people are dumb. I played that game. It's short, but I think all the money shows on screen. If you know how much money it takes to make a game and the amount of like polish and refinement there are is in that. Games like art and just everything about it. They they put a lot of time into what is there and it all shows. I love Broken Age. So what is Broken Age? Bro- Explain for the people. Broken Age is the story of Vela and Shay who are two teenagers in pivotal moments of their lives and growing up and it tells their stories in the form of a classic adventure game shay's story he is like trying to regain control of this ship um against his overprotective space mom on a computer <laughs> and that's half of the game like cause you can choose you know uh, which story to play first and or and switch between them at will. Shay's Shay's half of the game works way better as an adventure game because it is about him subverting this authority uh, with very specific interactions. Whereas Bella's story is just her; uh, she runs away from this beast that she is to be sacrificed to, and tries tries to convince people to fight back. And her story is more standard in terms of like she goes to different places and has puzzles along the way, but the puzzles don't fit as well as part of the design of the game. Mm-hmm. But in the way the thing combines and the story that they are telling and the themes that they are dealing with is so smart and I love it so much. I don't want to say that much because I know Destiny hasn't played it and I think you should. You definitely should. You would love that game. I want to. Yeah, go play Broken Age. It sounds Seriously. really cool. It's the best. The way it deals with, like, um, a culture, like, misogyny as a cultural value rather than something that is perpetuated by bad people in a way that is clear and explained and effective for basically what is essentially a kid's game. I'll I'll call Broken Age a kid's game, because it is. Okay. Uh, It's accessible to everyone, but... It is openly for kids in a brilliant way. I, I, that's a similar thing to like I don't know Avatar: The Last Airbender in terms of tone. Ooh, magic not, words! You said the magic words. It's not at all story. It's way more um, like twee. Okay. But uh, in terms of just being a thing that is clearly for kids and telling these themes, but accessible to everyone, um, it's the kind of thing I want to see more of, and I like it a lot. And you should play it. I guess I go next then. Yeah, let's let's go around again. I played Bayonetta 2 (gasps) by Platinum Games for the Wii U. Bayonetta 2 is the sequel, obviously, to Bayonetta, which is a game of all of our hearts. Mm -hmm. A character action game in which you play as hair-wielding Umbra Witch Bayonetta. How many times do they play Fly Me to the Moon in this game? Uh, none. The song what? in this is Moon River, not Fly Me to the Moon. <laughs> That's pretty good, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Forgiven. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, every every game's gonna have a theme, I assume, assuming they make more. Bayonetta 3, Bad Moon Rising, let's do this! Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and, uh, Let's Plays will have already started going up by the time this episode goes up, because they start on Tuesday, and, uh, we're recording this Sunday and releasing it Friday, so, um, Bayonetta 2 is more Bayonetta, and that's delightful, even though I think it's a lesser Bayonetta, in that it's, it's a probably a better game in that it's easier and it has a lot of the rough edges removed like there's no weird vehicle sequence there's no angel attack after every chapter um but it's also because it's more straightforward i feel like it loses some of its charm in terms of the actual gameplay and it is a much more straightforward character action game in that all the weapons you get outside of your first ones aren't projectile weapons like there's no moment where suddenly bayonetta has four rocket launchers on her limbs and you're just Mm -hmm. like a bangayo flurry of missiles and explosions um it's still fun it's still great like platinum makes great games and it feels like bayonetta and plays like bayonetta and the story is nonsense uh in the same great way like i don't quite understand the hand waving of don't pay attention to the story it doesn't mean anything in that I think it's telling a really cohesive story, and the way it loops back around into the stuff in Bayonetta 1 is really smart, but it is like a cartoon, because Bayonetta has always been that kind of cartoon. But uh, she's a delight. It's a delight. I don't know. It's what I wanted out of another Bayonetta. I'm glad that that game exists. That's cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to those Let's Plays. I'll watch them, even though I'm like, oh, I, should, I, should, I should just buy a Wii U. I, I know, I want to play it, but... What if I just bought a Wii U? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you could. I can't. Go now. I really can't. I can't. Oh, what if I did? <laughs> you could. <laughs> the eternal question. You don't need to eat. Yeah, food is dumb. It'll it just is. make you hungrier the more you eat, so you might as well not. You're not incorrect. I uh, deal with this dilemma daily. <laughs> Uh, I thought in the first Bayonetta that the story was like integral to the whole thing. I don't understand why you'd be like, the story gets you into crazy situations, but it's ignorable and pointless, and that's clearly not the case. Yeah, that's a really weird way to feel about that game. Was that is that what people were saying? Oh yeah, they always. I think this is a thing that comes out of games that are like deliberately like campy mm. and uh, like even specifically like really Japanese anime inspired stories. Where a Western audience is like, oh, it's just a bunch of anime bullshit. Never mind, just skip it. it doesn't matter. Like, I don't says understand that. that. About People Gear Solid. Oh, that's yeah, true. I know. And Metal Gear Solid is the purest form of that. Yeah, but Metal Gear Solid presents as self-serious, and Bayonetta does not. They're both goofy in kind of the same way. But does Metal Gear Solid really present as self-serious, or is that just the first game? Um, the- I still think the other games present as self-serious. Uh, you have a, I mean, we're trained. As people who play video games to see gruff military men is the height of gaming self-seriousness. Okay, because that, that's a good point. Because I definitely, when I see uh, um, Snake, I think, this is the goofiest character! Yeah, but in reality, like, he's not that different than Soap, like, presentationally. Soap doesn't talk. Who Whatever, you know what I mean, though. Yes, no, I know. You don't, let's not, doesn't matter. Soap's from Call of Duty 4. Oh, Sergeant Soap McTavish. That's a dumb name. I think he has an actual name. He's like, you know, Danny Soap McTavish. <laughs> 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 Douglas okay. Soap McTavish. I don't know. 
Destiny, what else did you play? Oh my gosh, you guys. So remember last time when I said I was going to play The Sims 3 and try to just have a single Sim who wasn't going to buy into the whole suburban family lifestyle? I do. Well, I tried to do that, and so I made a single Sim in The Sims 3 who lived in an apartment by herself, and I decided that she was only going to work jobs temporarily to, like, pay for specific things, and uh, she wasn't going to have any, like, spouses or children. And what turned out, like, it just it was a really lonely, boring experience. Like, my sim would wake up, they'd barely cook because it was just easier to go out to eat. Uh, when she wasn't working on her painting or her writing, she would go out to bars and... Uh, she met a lot of strangers, made a lot of friends, which I found very different from, like, when I have a big sim family, it's harder to meet strangers outside of your coworkers. Um, she wasted a lot of money fixing things because she wouldn't have time to, like, repair stuff in her house. I ended up caving and getting a maid and a girlfriend for my sim, but, uh, the girlfriend has, didn't move in, but yeah, it was just really boring, like... Lonely sim with no one to talk to, chatting with the maid. <laughs> That's pretty sad. Yeah, it it reminded me of like a sad movie, like a sad uh, indie movie where you've got. You, oh, go on. Couldn't you become the best artist or something? Like, well, isn't that a? She eventually like becomes like a semi-successful author. Okay. Because the writing skill, you can, like, get royalties from the books that you write. But it takes a lot of time to write books. And depending on the genre of the book, the longer it takes the book to write... Or, or excuse me, it takes the sim to write the book. And uh, working on your writing skill uh, when you still have to eat and bathe and, you know, do your part-time job. Not a lot of time. Not a whole lot of time to write a ton of books. A story of my life. <laughs> oh and matt introduced me to like the forums where people would do these challenges so i was thinking about maybe trying to do one of these challenges eventually where like you have a hundred babies or you start out with nothing and see like no money no cheats and just like a one-room house and see what happens the one of the ones I looked at was you had five generations to make like a ninja clan out of your family by teaching oh. everyone martial arts. Oh, that's pretty funny. That's yep. pretty good. Yeah, I can't remember any of the really good ones off the top of my head, but I, I'm does, glad that this is a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. Does Lonely Sim after a while get like like is that if you just um, keep doing the things to make the bars fill up, will they be happy? Yeah, but they get they get lonely. Like their social bar goes down. And I made her a loner to make it easier on her to be mm-hmm. all alone. But she like would like if you stay in the house too long, you get this negative effect called uh, stir Depression. crazy. <laughs> 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 yeah, essentially, like you get like you get negative effects for staying in the house too long uh, and not going anywhere. And then you get a negative effect from like not talking to anyone for too long. Like you really do get lonely. Okay, that's good because I didn't. Because basically, The Sims, um, uh, the way it does its mood things and the way The Sims get satisfied is by like a very 
observable, achievable things. But I didn't know if like The Sims was able to simulate like if you just went out to parties and talked to different people every day, would that be would that cheer your sim up? Yeah, but Even like if there was no like permanence or connection or meaning in their life, yeah, because fill up the bar. Well, the mere act of doing it fills up the bar, so it doesn't matter who it is. But like you'll start. Uh, one thing that the game does automatically, you know, they have those little goals that it'll make for you to try that you they're optional. But, like, I noticed as soon as I would start talking to someone, the next, like, little uh, pop-up for goal would be, hey, let's be best friends with this person, or let's ask this person to join our band. And uh, uh, I thought that was kind of funny, because it's <laughs> like the game's pushing me to uh, get to, you know, get to know people better and make deeper connections than these surfacey ones. And that was amusing. Yeah, I thought the game should be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that the bars fill up in these really obvious like because it's a computer game it's very hard to simulate actually the emotional state of a human being right yeah and the way they do so is very here are things very do go to the toilet make sure you do that make sure and uh make sure you're washing yourself make sure you are yeah and there's it's less like make sure you have connections with people make sure you build up um, meaning in your life, which is very hard to do in a video game. Oh, I yeah. I don't know how they achieve that. That's cool. Yeah, I, cool I enjoyed games. it, but it was a, a lonely little exercise. I'll say. <laughs> Jackson, did you want to talk about Resident Evil 4 or did you want to table it until you're deeper in? I like Resident Evil 4. Okay, good. Done. Okay, I really want to talk about that game with you, but the things I want to talk about require you to basically be done with it. All right, we'll we'll table that for next time. Hey, what what if you play Resident Evil Four, Matt? Uh, what if I mean, what if what if you play Resident Evil Four? I want to finish up all the games that I want to play for the end of the year stuff for right now. So that's not going to happen. But what if you played like an hour of Resident Evil Four and it all came, and you would just, it would trigger it? You would it would all come flooding back? I know, but Danganronpa is like thirty hours long, so I need to play that. What if you just get out of the car and you walk into the village? Persona Q comes out in like two weeks. <laughs> and you go into the house and you just knife the thing and oh, there's a bit of ammo in the box. And there's a guy over there. And you see no, the there's the a snake there. in the box. You have to swing the knife again. Oh, the first time there was a snake in the box. Christ. I was like, God damn it, game. Yeah, you always, do- you always double swing. I was double swinging, but I missed it the second. But you don't swing fast enough. Yeah. It's, you know, it's rough. Sometimes you get bit by a snake. Do I don't want to get bit by a snake? One of the sca- the scariest moment in that game because it's it's uh, really scary. Uh, but <laughs> so in, I hear. Luckily, yeah, but no, but in this um, tense, not very jump scare way. Uh, yeah, it just feels very oppressive. It's very yeah, and I, I like that a lot. So maybe I actually do kind of like survival horror because the reason I played it was I played about two, uh, no, about forty five minutes of I Am Alive, which is terrible. <laughs> In which you play Mr. Video Game, uh, and he has to save his video game daughter through a connection to his new video game daughter figure by strangling as many dudes as possible. Ooh. In, um, in an apocalypse. And that game has cool ideas, like, you know, um, the idea of a gun as a thing which can influence the world without being fired uh, is essentially the central idea there. But it does, it differentiates between enemies and victims. 
which renders the whole system nuke. But anyway, they're like building up items, having a thing, having this permanent here are my resources and going through the world was this thing that I liked. And I was like, oh, okay, Resident Evil 4, that's a game like that because that Silent Hill HD collection is apparently garbage. <sighs> I'll play Silent Hill 2 one day. I'm told that's the pinnacle of that game. Yeah, I would like to play a Silent Hill game. I think 2 through 4 are all really good in very different ways, but sure. Four, I, I heard a lot about 4. That's the room, right? Yes. It's really interesting what, again, kind of in the context of you know what Silent Hill is, because it subverts a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to check that out. But yeah, that's initial Resident Evil impressions are, I think it's good. Okay. The way, it, um, in, like, in, you're very aware of your perspective constantly. Always take time to check every corner. Um, I'm very curious how you'll respond to some of the tonal shifts that happen as that game goes on. I know once you get into the car, like, at the first big tonal shift of the game, I know that. Yeah. I know it goes from rural village to big nonsense castle things, and then. Where you fight a bunch of druid men. Yeah, there's monks, (laughs) and at some point there's a tiny Napoleon. Tiny Napoleon! (laughs) There's tiny Napoleon! (laughs) Did you not know about tiny Napoleon? No! It's, he's smaller than actual Napoleon. Uh, Also, there's like a, 30 minute sequence where it just becomes Metal Gear also. Great. Oh, Well, that'll be fun. Cause you, the, you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> so far, the game has been relatively self-serious in everything but, like, dialogue. Yeah, no. That's... I, I feel like that's on purpose, but the game is not... The game is kind of a like a poking... Like a deflation of the Resident Evil balloon, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Because... Going in, and the way um, Leon talks, and the way especially... Oh, Lewis, is that it? Yes. The way he talks, and the way he's introduced, like, time... You've you've met Ashley, you've had interactions with her too, right? Okay. The first interaction between Lewis and Ashley is like, oh, yeah, of course, video game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And, but the actual gameplay, there's no... This could be a fully self-serious horror game. Yeah. So I'm it, interested to see where it goes in the back half, because I bet it's going to play more goofy. Yeah, I mean, the actual game is still just the game. It doesn't change, but... Mm-hmm. Game don't change. No. No. <laughs> Alright. Um, that's it. Bye. Come back for... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> You should actually exit this since you're hosting this bit. That was video games. Now, come back later for video games. Oh, we've already done that one, haven't we? Yep. Oh, that's a good one, though. Uh, No, it's fine. Uh, But yeah, we've caught up, said hi, and the main part of this podcast is the RPG Explorers Club, where we're all going to talk about what we thought of the end of Final Fantasy VII and beyond. Here we are at the conclusion of our Final Fantasy VII game club exploration, whatever. We are playing discs. We played, past tense, we played discs two and three. And then we'll talk a bit about Advent Children, because how can we avoid it, really? Um, when we last left off, Eris had... Uh, died. 
Jackson? Died. She was dead. She, she, did, she what? She did, she did a death. What? She died. <gasps> no. no. That's terrible. We but she we represented so much innocence. <laughs> oh no, we've I, uh, lost it. <laughs> Where is it going? We lost our innocence. Who's going to be innocent now? Not Cloud, Doi. surely. Kate Sith. Kate Sith, yeah. Kate Sith is guilty as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so Cloud and company decide to soldier on, because that's all they can do. Ha! Maybe ex-soldier on is a better term. Oh, Thanks. thanks. Okay, yeah, make that explicit. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Only because you laughed. Did okay. I have to circle back around? Proud of you. Proud of you both. Um, and we find ourselves in a huge dungeon. No, that's not right. The nope. huge dungeon's not first. Nope. You, uh, you go north of the Forbidden City, where no one has ever been, and you find a resort ski town. Like you do. Called Icicle Inn. How did they get there? I don't know. Don't and ask how do me. they do anywhere else? How do if no one goes to the Spitten City, how do they go on both sides of it? I know. It's a good question. How are the two Nibelheims? I still don't know. Oh really? We'll get there. <laughs> really? Oh. You kept saying it's not important, and I was like, okay. And then I got to the end of the game and I was like, they never explained that. They do. Are we gonna talk about that? Obliquely. Yeah, but it's when you go back to Nibelheim later, if you play the piano with uh oh. Everyone, you get the note from Tifa's master. And he's like, I came back and everyone was here. Basically, Shinra just set back up Nibelheim and okay, staffed really, it with Shinra people. That really isn't important. Yeah, I told you. It wasn't important at all. <laughs> it seems like such a massive thing. No, no, no. They have, they have this big mansion that they have to support. Hojo was still doing experiments after the fire. But the, the half of the mystery of that first disc is why the hell of Nibelheim's still here after we remembered it being knocked down. It'd be creepy. It's a bit of a letdown. So I have to... it is a snow town. Yes. And the Icicle <laughs> Inn, where you discover uh, Professor Gast's research in a series of videos, where he talks about weapon with the last remaining ancient that he found and interviewed, which just so happens to be mother of recently deceased and departed Eris. Um, and you find out that Eris and, or Eris's mother, what's her name? Does anybody remember? I don't remember her name. Nobody remembers her name. Uh, Eris's mother and Professor Gast were in a relationship, and Professor Gast was Eris's father. And they have a baby, and Hojo comes and shoots them all. Well, except Eris, I guess. that's what Hojo does. Yeah, Hojo's really bad. He's not, not nice. a nice man. Um, and spirits away the baby to be delivered to Midgar. I don't know how that all works out. At some point, they take the baby. I guess one of the soldiers was... Eris's adopted mom's husband, probably, and then took the baby and brought it home, right? That makes sense to me. That's kind of the probably. vibe, yeah. Something like that. And you encounter Elena, who appears... best shot. Who appears over the ridge <laughs> like God, the introduction of Godzilla in the original Godzilla film. <laughs> because she is entirely out of scale with the surroundings. Just her giant blonde head peeking over the horizon. Getting in your and face. And then she comes to... She comes to punch the shit out of Cloud. She did. Yeah, she punched the, the heck button out of fast enough. Nope, me neither. Um, I dodged, and then Elena tumbles ass over tea kettle down the path off into the glacier. I assume to be lost in the wilderness or something. <laughs> the Turks are immortal, so pretty much she's fine. Like they die about seven times, and in Advent Children, they die again. <laughs> um and then, <laughs> and then we reach Jackson's favorite part of all of Final Fantasy. 
Hell yeah! Snowboarding. Snowboarding. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the one thing that you knew happened in this game past Eris dying was that there was snowboarding. (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah, no, because all I heard was Eris dies and then the game goes snowboarding. I didn't know that. Because that's how people talk about it as being this weird, tonally incongruent game. And it's actually not incongruent at all. Like, there's enough time between the death and the snowboarding. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's it's not like she dies and then, like, two minutes later, Barrett comes in and is like, let's go snowboarding. That'd be weird. <laughs> Though, what if he did? <laughs> That'd be pretty good, too. <laughs> For Marlene! <laughs> Marlene likes snowboarding! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to sell my Barrett thoughts, but no. Gets avid children later. Yeah. Um, the snowboarding bit is bad. Snowboarding, snowboarding is bad is and it goes on too long. Terrible. Yeah, it goes on forever. And there's like it is the secrets. Most... There's a secret to it. Yeah, there's it's the most PlayStation era 3D. We can't actually make this sport game fun, but we're going to try our damnedest to represent a thing. Yep. yep. It's very it's similar bad. to Cool Borders. It's so uh, bad. Which is the snowboarding game in a very And then once you descend the mountain, you're immediately thrust into the most bewildering maze in the entire game. It's really bewildering. I was bewildered. I don't so, yeah, know it's... how anyone got their way through that without a guide. No one would have got to there without a guide because there's been so many bits before where you just wouldn't know what to do unless someone said, hey, go there to get the key to the place, the thing. Yeah, yep. it's definitely one of those games where I could see everyone who played it when they were 14 at the time probably had a friend Oh yeah, show them through everything. It My was a it was a Sony. It was a playground slash player's guide game. Yep. You know? Most deaf. And then at the end there were the stuff with the key to the ancients. Like that's the most obvious. There is no way to get this unless you know where it is. Yeah. Yeah. There's true. no hints. It's hidden in nowhere. But, yeah. I, oh. but I appreciate it. Like it's it, it's fun. It, it doesn't take away from the game. I don't know. I know it's of the time, but I feel like there's some detriment to the fact that they hide so much behind. You have to know what to do. You can't just poke at the thing until you find out. Anyway, you uh, do all that in the maze. Uh, I gave you both incredibly detailed instructions that <laughs> no, neither of you followed. They were not ignored. incredibly detailed because I tried to follow them and they there were some points where they were really vague and... You didn't go left twice in the snowboarding, which I explicitly started with go and left then we twice in the snowboarding. Just, you both just talked us through it on Skype and each time you were like, I wrote this up, guys. No, I, I guess my problem was you explained it, but like the snowboarding, it... it I don't know, like, go left where? It, it, it really where it forks. confusing. I don't know. I mean, you do realize that you have this game deep inside your entire brain. Shush. And your body is built around shush. It and it <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like, hear you it. You just assume I know what's coming next. No. Anyway, <laughs> after that, you reach the uh, cliff dungeon. Does anyone have anything to say about that other than it's we really talk- long? We talked about fighting last. The fighting is in this game is good. The disc two has barely any of it. Yep, yeah. it's kind of the last dungeon before the final dungeon, though. Weirdly enough, and thank goodness for Pretty ribbons. Much. Yeah, you get your second ribbon here if you are following a guide because it's super hidden. Jackson. You fight some icicles. That icicle cracking animation is the worst. Yep. Oh god, isn't it? it takes yeah. forever. Uh, and then you get to the whirlwind maze where you finally catch up with all of the black robe people that have been existing in the world. Oh, the bit with the, I love the black robe stuff. Yeah, that was really great. Like just yep. walking past them. They're super creepy. Most of them are like dying as you touch them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and condensing into weird items and stuff. Just saying Sephiroth. Yep. <laughs> um, and then do you split up the party before you encounter anybody? Yes, you you leave him out. And you say, all right, two of us are going in, everyone else wait behind. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Tifa has to go in with you. Yeah, I took yep. Tifa in. I mean, Tifa was in all our parties anyway, but it has to be Cloud Tifa and another person. Cloud and, Tifa, Red 13. Yep. And then you give the, you, you, you're like, we're going to go in and see what's in there. We're going to give the black material to one of you. Whatever you do, don't give it to anybody. And you can give it to either Red 13 or Barrett. You guys had Barrett. Red 13 in your party, so you couldn't give it to him. I, I gave it. I gave it to Red 13 because he wasn't in, neither of them were in my party, but, uh. Why can't you give it to the other people? Uh, I just think they want to force your hand, and they're they're technically the two most like story consistent people to give it to, mm-hmm. in that they both have a deeper connection with the stuff that's been going on, whether it's Barrett and your backstory, and you guys have been around the longest, or Red Thirteen is clearly like invested in the fate of the planet. Good point. Yeah. Um. D- don't give it to Yuffie, obviously. <laughs> Straight up steal that. Um. And you go deeper into the whirlwind maze where you run into all of Shinra, <laughs> who have just been there, right? Or is, do you run into Sephiroth first? <sighs> Sephiroth in quotes. I think you run into uh, him. You, you go in and then everything kicks off. I don't okay. know what order it is, but suddenly everything is ridiculous. No, you run into Sephiroth first because you have that fight with Genova. Yeah, in there. yeah. Yes. Okay, you fight Genova. You fight another then... Genova piece because Sephiroth just keeps dropping Genova pieces because he's gross. Yeah, he's super gross. Uh, and then everyone is teleported into the middle chamber of the whirlwind maze, which just so happens to already be uh, occupied by the Turks who have showed up trying to find the life stream, the promised land, and all that stuff. And you kind of just appear magicked in the middle of it. <laughs> and Cloud is in full-on freak-out mode. And while this is happening, the person you left behind gets accosted. Or, no, Tifa runs up to them, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're just standing there. Oh, I got the black interior. I guess I'm going to twiddle my thumbs. Tifa runs up and is like, oh, we, we need the black interior. Come on, let's go. And then they run off. And it just, and then it flashes that everyone else has been knocked out. Mm-hmm. And Tifa's still there, and it turns into Sephiroth, right? What a great mm-hmm. sequence. Yeah, it's very creepy. And so, uh, Barrett, or Red 13, Barrett, I guess, shows up with the Black Materia, and everyone's like, we told you not to come! And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Cloud's in full freak-out mode, and Hojo's like, hey, there's some weirdness happening. And in the background, you can see a giant eye and the crystal opening and closing. Because this is the chamber in which all of the weapons are kept. And weapon you learned was... Like, the ancients made the weapon, uh, plural, as these giant machines to defend the planet. Uh, and now that there's a threat of the Black Materia, they are awakening again. Because Cloud does the opposite of what he should do, and hands the Black Materia to the real Sephiroth, yes. who has been in the crystal this entire time. Smooth move, mm-hmm. X-Lax. Which is when you, you a bunch of things are explained here. Which is <laughs> that... All of the Sephiroth clone, all the the black people are Sephiroth like clones or people that have Genova cells in them that have been experimented on and are like failures trying to recreate the thing Sephiroth was. But the real Sephiroth has just been like the Sephiroth you've been seeing is just these clones like possessed by Sephiroth this entire time. The real Sephiroth has just been in this crystal in the northern crater forever, and now you've handed him the crystal and woken him up or the black black materia. And you don't wake him up. 
He's still in the crystal. Oh, right. It, like, descends into the... Doesn't his eyes open, though? You, yeah, he's he. You've started the process. You've done what he wants, mm-hmm. and he is essentially one at this point. And he like descends into the life stream as the weapons erupt out of the northern crater and go on a rampage. And uh, everyone, and uh, as the things crashing down, like the tur- uh, Shinra and your party run away, but Cloud is also kind of swallowed up by the life stream as well. And... Yeah, and, and as it's explaining. The first big like twist of the game. Oh right, I forgot all about all that. Yeah, that happens here. It's, yeah, it's here, and like as Hojo is basically saying, you are not real. Yes, you... Hojo claims that you were just a Sephir- a failed Sephiroth clone. So, mean. so bad he didn't even get a number. Mm-hmm. And that's why you've been uh, under Sephiroth influence and yep. freaking out constantly. Yep. Yep. And Cloud's like, oh, please give me a number. Please give me a purpose, because Cloud just has a complete breakdown at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's real bad. So Cloud and Sephiroth get swallowed by the life stream, and you all escape. And then, as you're escaping on the high wind, Tifa gets knocked out and cut to seven days later. I think it's seven days, right? Yeah, seven days. Seven full days. week. And Tifa wakes up in a facility, and Barrett's there, and he's like, you've been out for seven days. Things have changed. And he opens up the shutters of the window, and outside you see meteor in the sky filling everything and coming down, and they're like, oh, the world's gonna end, and there's nothing we can do. Which is my favorite shot in the entire game, is the pan to the, the windows as the they yes, open. Oh, so good. It's amazing. And then you get the new world map theme, which is just that, like, foreboding drone. It's mm-hmm. super good. So Tifa and Barrett and company, I guess mostly just Tifa and Barrett, are uh, being, have been captured by Shinra and are going to be executed publicly as the people who have caused all this calamity. They're like, this is Shinra, or this is Avalanche is doing. We need to get rid of them for the public good. And uh, that breaks down, obviously, as you try to escape with Barrett. You play as Barrett in that sequence, right? You play as Barrett in that sequence. That escape sequence is one of my favorite in the game. You want to talk about it? Yeah, because... Uh, in terms of creating this sequence that feels cinematic, in, and I mean that in like an actual way, not in a, this game is really cinematic, it looks amazing, but in terms of through the pacing, being able to create multiple um, plot lines going on at once and balance between them in like the set piece way, uh, cutting back and forth. Because you essentially cut between the stuff that's going on with Rufus and the attack, you cut between Barrack's escape and you cut between Tifa's escape. And they all work together into one seamless set piece narrative, which is the only time I think Final Fantasy VII does this. There's kind of a bit of this in Midgar, uh, in your escape from there, but it's n- not on this scale. And the effect is great because the moment that you realize how you're escaping and Tifa jumps onto the airship and you've got the airship and everyone's there is one of the best moments yeah. in the game. Super true. Because it comes with such a place of hopelessness when you see the media and that build is, oh, it's everything. It's everything. So good. Interspersed, of course, with everyone trying to fight off one of the weapons in a very Godzilla moment. <laughs> That's, oh, yeah. Where the cannon fires and there's like guys with rocket launchers all up on the walls of Junin. Yeah, and then the launched. ridiculous moment of the slap fight with Scarlet on top of the cannon. <laughs> one of my favorites. I just jammed that button. Yeah. Yep. So you escape. You now have an airship because Sid and company have stolen the airship. And you are given free reign of the world. And the ge- does the game tell you to go to Medeal, or is it just the only place you haven't been yet? It tells you. <laughs> okay. 
Because I just knew you go to Medeal next. Well, you told but, me, but if you, like, talk to Sid, I think he says it. Or if you talk to anybody on the ship in that main uh, okay. area, I think they tell you to go there. It's the only location your airship can get to that you haven't been to yet. So, you know, like, just a process of elimination. If you didn't talk to anyone, you'd probably eventually be like, hey, there's a city here. Okay. Because mm-hmm. the cities are all marked on the marked on the world map. Anyway, Medeal is like this weird spa resort. It's full of old people. <laughs> uh, noted primarily by a lady with a baby chocobo who's running around crazily convinced the world's going to end and buying up all the items. The which worst lady. It, I think it's great because you get the chocobo racing theme <laughs> in all the shops as she's just scrambling trying to buy I everything I love the up. chocobo racing theme. Oh, she just reminded me of Nebraskans who try to go grocery shopping frantically when they know a storm is coming. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Where it's like, suddenly all the aisles are bare. What happened? Yeah. We're going to get an inch of snow. This happens every year. Stop it. Yeah. You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> um, And here you find people talking about, oh, there's a spiky-headed young man who showed up. Because part of Medeal being like a spa is that it's the life stream is very close to the surface here. And people use it for like rejuvenating abilities or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cloud just kind of burbled up from the planet. And he is in the hospital being seen to, but he has extreme mako poisoning, which means he is in a almost vegetative state in a wheelchair, just kind of mumbling to himself. It's so sad. Yep. Atifa's like, okay, I'm staying here. And you're like, what? No, and then but you I control need... Sid. Yeah. It's yep. really unfortunate Ooh, because Tifa, very... like... She's my main girl, and, like, not having Tifa and Cloud, that that was super hard to play. So, Sid and company are like, well, you take care of him, we're gonna go figure out what to do about this meteor. And this is about the time Kate Sith calls, right? Yeah. Probably. Where Kate Sith shows up and he's like, I know what they're doing. Yep. They're gathering oh, the yes, huge material. He, he tells them that, yes. Okay. And Shinra has a plan to try to stop the uh meteor in that they're going to collect the huge materia which are like these massive uh like mako deposits that are kind of like the like the seed of all of that type of magic like there's a summon one and there's a magic one there's like a command one uh, but anyway there there's four of them and they they're going to gather them and they're going to put them all on a rocket ship and they're going to send it up into space and they're going to detonate all of them at the meteor which is going to cause an explosion to hopefully blow up meteor Anyone who's seen any sort of near disaster asteroid movie knows this plan never works. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, you decide, hey, blowing up materia, which is like a huge source of planet energy, is probably not a good idea because the planet's already hurting. So you're going to spirit away all of these huge materia from Shinra. And the first one you go to is the Corel one, which as you arrive, a train holding the huge materia is pulling out of the reactor and you have to go chase it in grand uh, old timey train chase fashion. Yep. That sequence is pretty good. Yep. I enjoyed it. And that you fight and you get to the train and Sid has no idea how to stop a train because he's an airship pilot, (laughs) not a trainsman. (laughs) That's what he says. So you fiddle with the controls and I, I assume everyone stopped the train. Yep. I stopped the train. I did it. Yep. And you get your f- first huge materia, and you get Ultima, which is the last magic you'll ever need. <laughs> yes, magic. it is. Uh, if you don't stop the train, 
you can get Meteor for like 50,000 gil, but North Corel will be basically destroyed and you won't get the huge materia. Oh, think... you can just not stop the train and accidentally destroy North Corel. Yep. Wow. More than it already is. Because it's already just a shanty town. But That'd yeah. suck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, you can lose this materia for sure. In fact, I think you can lose three of the four materia, maybe? No, two. Two of the four materia. Yeah, because you can just not go get the one in space. Also, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, you do that one, and then you do the one at Fort Condor, right? Yep, Fort Condor, which um, is the first time either of you had engaged with Fort Condor, right? Yeah, but there's yes, a huge I just side quest did that. there. Yeah, and I just let the. T- I didn't even engage with the tower defense game. No, there's a terrible semi RTS tower defense game. Before that was actually a genre. That's it's the worst mini game in a game full of bad mini games. Because not only is it a bad mini game, it also takes your gold. Yes. Yeah. And so it's a, like... and it's a tower defense game. So I just didn't <laughs> care. And the what happens if you fail it is you have to fight a boss. I fight a boss all the time. Yeah, and it's an easy boss. Big deal. Yeah, it wasn't hard at all. I took that boss down. <laughs> yeah. Um, North Condor is being defended by a bunch of environmentalists because at the top is a reactor that Shinra wants access to, but it's also the nest of the last Condor, and so they're protecting it. And anyway, you protect it, and the egg hatches, and the adult Condor dies, and the baby's born, and it's a giant baby. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And there you find the Phoenix Summon, because, you know, thematic consistency. Whatever. Which is my favorite summon in the game, because it saved my butt. Almost, like, every single time. It's pretty useful. <laughs> it can be useful. Um, and then, that done, you decide, hey, let's go check on Tifa and company, right? You yep. do the submarine thing. Did you already talk about that? No, no, you get you do the submarine after you get Cloud back. Oh, whoops, my yeah, bad. Yeah, I did the submarine when Cloud was back. That's you when you get Cloud back, because that's when you get into the most important se- narrative sequence in the game. So, yes, you go back to Medeal, and the the... Cataclysm that ladies are preparing for apparently happens in that the weapon shows up and you have to fight the weapon. This is ultimate weapon for the first time, right? Yep. Yes. Yes. You just have to kind of fight him off because he'll just fly away because he's a wuss. Uh, Oh, made me so mad chasing him forever. Yeah, that's later though. For now, you just have to fight him a little bit. He'll run away, which is good because Sid and company are not not anywhere near equipped to deal with him. No, um, Sid's not quit to deal with anything. So. And uh, Medeal's pretty much in a bad state, right? Like Medeal, like the live stream, like bubbles, like erupts up, right? And that happens here. Yep. Yeah. And both uh, Tifa and Cloud are plunged into the live stream. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, they're linked, and uh, Tifa's drawn into Cloud's shattered psyche. And decides now is as good a time as any is to put him back together. Because and there's psyche, three different clouds sitting around. His psyche around. is full of three clouds and a and giant then one cloud overhead. Cloud cloud. Just floating, just floating in the clouds. Grabbing his cloud head. <laughs> I, uh, I would just like to hear you guys talk about this sequence because this is maybe the most important story beat in the entire game. Mm hmm. Oh. I, I loved it. Yeah, it was beautiful. For one, it, it, it uh, shows how deep their bond is because they go to uh, different uh, pivotal sections of Cloud's life. Like they go to Nibelheim, they go to 
Oh, where's the other? What are the other places on there? Um, I think it's mostly all Nibelheim. Oh, is it? Like, but they like different. Like, okay, they D- different points of time. Yeah, basically. like when there's the uh, Nibelheim reactor bit. There's her childhood. Yes, mm-hmm. and there's the childhood. bit on the on the rock where they're sitting up and looking at the promise from the earlier in the game. Their, mm-hmm. their little one-on-one, little romantic moment. Yep. And basically, Tifa is trying to convince Cloud that he is a real person, because Cloud is does not believe that. And she has to find a memory that Cloud has that can be proved true, that like wouldn't be pulled from her mind, because Cloud's like, this could just come from you, we don't know. Yeah, because you know at this point that his identity is kind of built around Tifa in some way. Mm-hmm. And this is about basically proving that the reason that happened isn't just because of experiments, and he does have his own identity. Because mm-hmm. the the operating assumption is that he was a clone created and built out of Tifa's memories of a cloud that she knew at some point. I thought the operating assumption was he was just an empty clone and then he saw Tifa and latched onto Tifa. But I mean, she remembers a cloud from her childhood. Yeah. So the idea I mean... the idea it implies is that like Cloud went off to join Soldier and was never heard from again, and then this clone, like when she was in the coma, like they might have taken her memories and put the memories of this kid into cloud into this cloud because it wasn't um it's like really detailed in terms of it's like it was just the sprites and the dialogue the scene where cloud meets uh, tifa at the train station and clouds all like on the floor in a wreck Mm -hmm. and starts shaking every time she says anything like that i assumed that cloud was just an empty thing before that point and then met tifa and then became cloud I don't, I don't think I agree with that, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard that's to not say. actually what, because then it reveals about who Cloud was later, and that's obviously untrue. Mm-hmm. But that was my, going in, that was my initial assumption, that he just decided to become that person yeah. then, because Tifa was the first person he saw. So, as you go through, you relive all of the events of Nibelheim in the correct order this time, where Cloud actually wasn't the person who saved her initially. Mm-hmm. Nope. Because so in actuality, else. it was Zack who showed up with Sephiroth that day. Dun, dun, dun. And Zack who attacked Sephiroth in the Genova room, though he immediately got wiped out by Sephiroth. Yeah, which explains why Cloud just didn't get dead. And then a anonymous Shinra troop picks up a picks up the Buster Sword that Zack dropped and runs into the Genova room and stabs Sephiroth. Yeah. And it's revealed that that was Cloud the entire time. <laughs> because Cloud did did try to go into Soldier, but he washed out and just became a grunt. And he was Anonymous Soldier number two, the one who was car sick back in your initial flashback. Mm-hmm. So all of those memories from Nibelheim weren't from Tifa. They were from him, just from the sidelines. Yeah, and you realized that. What happened when he had his first big break was that he just wouldn't like, because of his memories of Fatitha and not wanting to let her down, he just built this fake identity in order to seem cooler than he was. Mm-hmm. Which justifies his brooding nonsense earlier in that game way more than I thought the game would, because I was assumed, oh, Cloud Broody Man. Yay. <laughs> I didn't realize this had a point to it. Yeah, he he like he doesn't <laughs> even know who he is at the beginning of that game. No. Because like he confronts Sephiroth and basically tosses Sephiroth into the live stream, but after that, like, Shinra take him and experiment on him 
and inject him with Genova cells to try to be like, if this guy can beat Sephiroth, he's got to be useful. And it turns out that didn't really work out for them. No. <laughs> it was not a good time. Mostly because Je- uh, Zack breaks him out, but that's for later. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find the one memory that Cloud has of Tifa that Tifa did not did not remember of them as children where Tifa was like this popular girl with all the boys and cloud was this loner who was always left out, but always admired Tifa from afar. And it's just this one scene of them being mean to him. And he remembering that she defended him and she doesn't recall this at all, but he was like there and remembered it. And it was really important to him. I feel like it really defines who those characters are. Yeah. Like cloud always idolized Tifa and Tifa always was like, a good person, but kind of unaware of Cloud in a real fundamental way yep, until yep. he showed up on her doorstep. Yeah. And it recontextualizes the scene from the them sitting on the rock in this really nice way. Because originally you think they're best friends and they're going to grow up together. But this, to Tifa, he's just some guy mm-hmm. at that point. He's like, yep, cool. And she's just being nice. Yeah. But it's enough to recoalesce Cloud. And Cloud and Tifa emerge from the live stream, and Cloud is back to, I guess, back to nothing. He's a, his new self. He's a new man. New Cloud. Yeah. I. It's the most. It's the. It's the most beautiful sequence. Yep. In terms of what it makes that game about, and what you think it's about at the start, just this story about someone whose insecurities made them this cool but garbage person realizing that it's okay to be like okay with yourself and have flaws and that's actually what can save the world in this context is really smart i did not expect anything like that going in like they really spoke to me the cloud stuff like clouds may be my favorite character in this game probably almost certainly in this game but just one of my favorite characters in general mm-hmm. so. till fucking yeah. advent children <laughs> later later <laughs> And uh Real Cloud assumes command. Everyone seems to kind of be glad he's there, but they give him a lot of shit for being a mess, which I think is great. It's the line where he walks in and he's like, I'm bad, guys. And Tifa goes, God, you're a mess. <laughs> and you're like, oh, they're perfect for each other. Yeah. Because a Cloud, like the new reform Cloud is still full of like bravado, just in like a less shitty way. But he's like going around like teaching Yuffie how not to be seasick or airsick. Cause he knows. And just like giving speeches and being, let's go guys, let's fight. And everyone just kind of like, you have caused more problems for us than Kate said. That guy's <laughs> working for Shinra. <laughs> but your new reform party is off to go get the big materia. But before that, let's talk about going back to the Shinra mansion, which is, Optional story beats that should not be optional at all. Yeah! <laughs> because if you go back to the basement, you find out how Cloud went from, oh, I stabbed Sephiroth, but I was in basically like bleeding out because I got hit too, to showing up at Midgar because Zack and him were being experimented on by Hojo or whatever. And Zack was like, this sucks, let's leave. And breaks Cloud out. And they drive off to Midgar, and he's like, I'm going to become a mercenary, and it'll be great, and you can be with me, buddy, while Cloud's just in a stupor, because he's been experimented on, and he's been traumatized, and And he's Cloud probably car-sick. He, yes, he was also probably car-sick. <laughs> but Zack's like, I got these big plans, and he is like this very inspirational person, at least to Cloud in that moment. And then they get up to Midgar, like the slopes above Midgar, on a cliff, and Shinra shows up. 
and guns down Zack. Just straight up murders him. It's so sad. Leaves Cloud for dead because he was already catatonic and a mess. Like, he's... Whatever. We'll just leave him here. And, yep. and like, Zack dies in front of him, doesn't even get to say goodbye, and there's Midgar. Yep. So Cloud picks up the sword that Zack had, and with it, just basically like, oh, I'm just going to be this guy. I'm going to live out this dream, because it's at least something to cling to. And, and he's that's probably how Cloud... in love with Zack. That's how Cloud drifted into Midgar when Tifa found him. He's not, though. He's, like, in love with the idea of Zack. And yeah, Zack represents the person he wants to be. Yeah, Zack's he... cool. He was a soldier. He was hanging out with Sephiroth. You know, he had made it. He actually doesn't know that. And I think in this game, at least, like, this is going to be important when we talk about Advent Children. But I feel like Zack j- just barely knows who Cloud is. Like, he knows Cloud. No, Zack's just like a helpful RPG protagonist guy. <laughs> yeah, he's just a guy, and Cloud's just there, and he's just talking at him. Zack, Cloud is in this, like, idealistic, or not idolizing uh, stupor as he talks. He's like, this is the person I wish I could be. And then he dies in front of him, and he's like, I'm now going to be that person. Yep. And they gum back to that in the worst way in Advent Children, but the way it plays in the game is so good. I actually kind of yeah. liked it in Advent Children, but that's just dumb. Me being goofy. Because it was way it... more, like, homoerotic. Oh, for sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it chain it destroys Cloud's character. Mm, you're right, you're right. I mean, Advent Children does way more other things to destroy Cloud's character. Yeah, Neither that's not the only... The, the, I'd seen it before, so the Zack stuff being new was like, this is even worse! <laughs> so with Cloud, you go and you get the other material, which involves getting on a submarine and doing a Would submarine I, sequence. How many characters were I allowed to be destroyed for some good boy kissing action? Uh, the submarine's <laughs> dumb, but... <laughs> I'm trying to soldier on. <laughs> Don't, we, you... Don't... Don't okay, whitewash. Um, <laughs> the submarine's dumb. Everyone did the Galenka, though, right? Yes. Yeah. I love the Galinka stuff, because that's just a weird, creepy place, and I love that the Turks are just there. Hey, here are the Turks. Let's kill the Turks again. Yep, They'll be back. Time to yep. fight the Turks. And they're like, we don't even want to fight you, but, if, we'll you know, it. you're here, we're here, let's do this. <laughs> they clearly seem super put out that you showed up while they were on their mission. Yep. But they're, they'll do their jobs, because they're professionals. <laughs> that's what they do. It's and their you job. steal from them, because they have great items at this point, and then you beat them up, and that's the end. Um, that's all I, re- I feel like the underwater stuff is terrible, mostly. Yes! Yep. Especially <laughs> since after you go down there the first time, there is an unkillable at this point super boss there that you have to constantly avoid. That's pretty good, though. <laughs> it, it wasn't that hard to avoid for me, but I did not like him being there. It, so long as you've saved, I yep. like the idea that, oh, there's just something way more powerful than you, and you have to stay out of their way actively because you are not the biggest thing here. Like, that I actually like that. I think that's cool in terms okay. of where the game is at that point. And while you're exploring underwater, you can pick up the key of the ancients immediately if you are following a guide, uh, which is a plot device that is unnecessary, so we won't refer to it outside of the fact that there's a key down here you need, but the game never tells you about it. I can't uh. imagine how if you'd because the sequence where you use it, it plays out half of it, and then it says, "Okay, give me the key." It, it, yeah, just oh, the worst, oh, worst. And uh, you can also uh, come across this cave that you can only get to through the submarine. And when you go inside, if uh, if you go inside with just your normal party, the, uh, there's a lady in there who won't talk to you. 
I think that's how it is. Maybe it's just empty. But if you go in with Vincent, there is a creepy lady in there, and Vincent recognizes her, and you get the Vincent backstory. Which is kind of great. Of the lady in there is Lucretia, and it was a person Vincent, when he was a normal man, uh, was in love with. And she was a researcher, and he was a Turk. And their love could never be because she was being uh, researched on because she was pregnant and that baby was Hojo's pet experiment. And Vincent wanted to interfere and get her away from all this. And for his troubles, he gets completely shot up because that's what Hojo and company does is mm-hmm. shoot up people. Worst. I like Turk Vincent. Yeah, Turk Vincent's pretty good. <laughs> I like Turk everyone. But... Apparently Hojo dragged him downstairs and did a bunch of horrible experiments on him and shoved him in a coffin, turned him into a vampire. So rude. So, does. so that's Vincent's backstory, which I maybe is relevant if you ever played Dirge of Cerberus. I don't know. Kate Sith is in Dirge of Cerberus. Really? Is he really? Like yep. actual Kate Sith or Reeve? I n- I looked it up. I looked up like, hey, what's this? And apparently it starts with like him and Kate Sith. Then if Yuffie as well, but they're all helping evacuate Midgar. Like, with the stuff at the end of the game. Oh. oh. okay. Interesting. So it's like a direct sequel kind of like, Vincent side story. at the second Final Fantasy VII ends. Huh. Huh. Well, now I want to yeah. look into this. No, that I... makes me want to stay far, far away forever. I know, I'm curious. I want to know. I might just look up a Let's Play and yeah. see what, how the game starts. Oh, yeah, don't Same. play that game. I'm that game was play. really bad. I have other things I need to play, so... I will play Crisis Core at some point. Though. Crisis Core is a decent game. Anyway... Let's get through the end. Um, and then you get the fourth materia, which involves you going to outer space. <laughs> and you kill, you kill Rude. You kill Rude, and his body is there, and the game makes a point of telling you, like, how many people have you killed, and he comes back. You don't kill Rude. How do you kill you Rude? Kill Rude. Rude is the guy standing right outside the train. You kill him, and his body stays there, and you can, like, inspect it. Really? Oh, I yeah, yeah, you, like, look down at him. Oh. And it's all like, look at all these people you, you've you killed to complete your quest. And one of the people in that poignant moment is Rude. And you're like, Rude's not dead! It's really weird. <laughs> um, So you go up into space. Sid gets his character moment of realizing that Shiro's right about the engines being bad all along. Because oh. everything almost blows up. Yeah, no shit, Sid. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that reminded me, oh yeah, that's why I hate Sid. Yep. You get that moment of everyone in space and that's kind of pretty. Yeah, it's really like cool. That. You grab the huge materia and you crash. You're like, well, this rocket's just going to crash, I guess. And then you, Sid, and uh, Shira, who apparently stowed away on the ship, because that's a thing you can do with spaceships <laughs> that are carefully weight managed, <laughs> um, all get on the escape pod and drift away as the uh, rocket crashes into Meteor and Meteor doesn't really, like it just, there's like a little crust that like drifts off, but is pulled back in by an energy force. Because hey, it's magic. It's not actual meteor. What are you gonna? Th- what do you think you were gonna do? <laughs> I did not yeah. expect this game to go to space. Of all the things mm. that, all the places it took me. Me too. That was a was, sweet surprise. Even though there's a rocket in it, right? I was Thank like, you. The game's not gonna go to space. I didn't expect it. Like even with the rocket. <laughs> yep, Cloud and company are the first people in space. Go figure. <laughs> there's no clouds in space. Come on. <laughs> so once you get all of the huge materia, you're like, we need to do something with this so Shinra doesn't get it. And your first thought is to give it to the oldest man on Earth. Yes. To defend. <laughs> back to Cosmo so Canyon. You, you go back to Cosmo Canyon and give it to Bugenhagen, who puts it in his planetarium. Because <laughs> why hide this stuff? 
No just, one's coming looking at Cosmic Canyon. It's just actually a really good place to hide. That's, that's fair. Um, the one interesting thing about the huge materia is, and it's gameplay relevant only, if you master every type of materia, like if you master every magic or every summon, if you go to the huge materia, you can turn in a master one of everything to get the master summon materia or the master magic. Oh, is that how you get all the magic? Yes. Oh. It's just a materia that has all of the magics in it, or all of the summons. Cool. That's cool. Um, that's way too... Even if you were doing the level 99 bosses, that's way too much work. Yeah. Yeah. Tell 15-year-old me who had a set of master material on all <laughs> the characters in the game. I... I wow, that's you intense. You nerd! You nerd! I know, right? <laughs> That's great, That's though. pretty great. <laughs> And then, what happens? Kate Sith calls you again, right? Yeah. Oh, fucking probably. On your flip phone. Yeah, and he's like, hey, I found out where the cannon went, because the cannon at Junin disappeared at some point. Oh, when when you were going to get the submarine, like, as you're running to the place where the submarine dock is, you look up and there's no cannon. Yes, because you do that, and then what happens is, you're like, okay, we've got everything. Let's go fight Sephiroth. Oh, right. You're like, let's go to the northern crater. Head there, and you're just about to head there, and then you're like, oh, shit. Well, there's a giant barrier there. Oh, we skipped the Forgotten City bit where you'd see Eris again. Oh, okay. Let's talk about that. Sorry. (laughs) played this game. That's actually what you do. You head to the Forgotten City. Yeah, because you're like, now that we have these, what are we doing? Bugenhagen's like, oh, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, like, in Legend, there is a magic that will counteract Meteor. Like, mm-hmm. what is it? And he's like, I don't know, but let's go to the Forgotten City. They'll know. And you go there, and you put the key into what essentially is like a conch shell music box, whatever, because <laughs> the Forgotten City's full of nonsense. It's and the best. And you get, you get a water hologram of the prior couple hours of Eris getting shot or stabbed. And you find out that the material that she had that fell over her hair was the Holy Summon, which is the thing that can stop Meteor, but apparently something's blocking holy from happening what could it possibly be it's sephiroth (laughs) yeah sephiroth stopping holy he Uh wants meter to happen sephiroth super powerful so he's just blocking it what a jerk so you need to go and unblock it by getting rid of sephiroth and at the perfect moment it cuts to the midgar cutscene which is one of the best oh shit it's on moments of the game as you see, uh, the cannons in Midgar. Yeah, the, we're, the... yeah, because see, Kate Sith chimes in over your like, uh, whatever your party communicator is, your cell phone, basically. Yep. And he's like, "Hey, I found the cannon." Because he's like, "I'll look around," because you know he's on the inside or whatever. And uh, yeah, it cuts to the cannon has been strapped to the front of the Shinra building, <laughs> and all of the Mako reactors are now feeding into it. And. A massive weapon comes out from the water and starts walking towards Midgar. Yep, they're about to and shoot the northern crater, and, and the weapons... On, yeah, and it's on the world map. Yep, the weapon's just... gonna stop. Gonna and try to point, stop it. At the point of the game, I had... There were a couple side quests to do, so I went and did them, but it... That was the wrong thing to do, pacing-wise, because in terms of just, okay, let's do this... Yep, um, that's one of the best moments. The best part is you fly over and you land like between the weapon and Midgar, and you just kind of wait for it to trudge out yeah, of the water. Yeah, you just stand mm-hmm. in there while it's coming at you like some sort of weird monster movie. And this is Diamond Weapon, which is not a very hard boss. I feel like nah, but, not really. <clears throat> um, you don't get to take him out because you fight him to try to stall him as Rufus and company power up the Mako cannon. 
and then fire it into the weapon, through the weapon, and all the way up to the northern crater where they hit the barrier that Sephiroth erected and dissolve that so you can go take care of that. In the meantime, as they're firing at the weapon, the weapon fires at Midgar, and all of those beams hit the Shinra building, blowing up the top of it, presumably killing Rufus Shinra. Tsk, tsk. Probably. <laughs> probably. Maybe. He's probably dead. <laughs> Just like all the Turks. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, well, weapon's done, Shinra's done, I guess we'll go to the final dungeon and beat this game. So you fly over to the final dungeon, and as you're about to go there, you get another call. And Reeve's like, hey, we have a big problem, because Hojo, in the absence of power, has just taken over the Shinra, can- the Mako cannon, and is gonna overload it and fire it to try to give Sephiroth all that Mako energy so he's powerful. Cause Hojo's crazy. Mm-hmm. And nobody can stop it but you, because you're the heroes. You don't want him to do this, oh, right, because, uh, Midgirl blow up if the cannon fires, cause he's using all of the Mako energy, right? Isn't that the thing? Yep. Yeah. So at the very cusp of the end of the game, you have to fly back to Midgur and everyone dives over the edge of the ship and skydives into Midgur. <laughs> Cloud doing flips because why wouldn't you make Cloud do flips? Oh, I did that like a billion times. It was great. Spinning <laughs> <laughs> flip animation. Yep. And you land and the Turks show up one last time. And if you fought them in the Galenka, you can just skip the battle here. They're like, are we really doing this? Oh, it's such a good moment. Yeah, it's super cool. I fought them. Why? Because you can steal good items from them. (laughs) But you get this moment of this Turks being like, look, everything's destroyed. Our job doesn't matter and you need to save the world. And we're actually on good terms in terms of who we are. We just know we have to fight each other. Mm -hmm. So you're just like, yes. Oh, that's how you know it's the end of the game, because Cloud and the Turks are like, let's do this. Oh, also, right before you dive into Midgar is when Reeve guilts Barrett into feeling bad about everything, right? Oh, that's good, because you're like, ah, Kate Smith character had one role, and it's this. Yeah, where they're like, we have to go save Midgar, and Barrett's like, we gotta save the world. He's like, think of how many people you've already killed by being like an eco-terrorist and blowing up whole parts of the city. Barrett's not like, we have to save the world. Barrett's like, we have to save Marlene. Yeah, right. yeah. And Kate's just like, we, this is about more than just one person. Like, bigger picture here, dude. Yep, because Reeve actually cares about the citizens of Midgar, because he's a decent human being. I guess. Even if he's a weasel spy. (laughs) It's that moment that makes you realize Kate could have been one of the best characters in the game. Yeah, but he's given very little time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even like playing with him. No, because he sucks. He's a terrible character. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like all the moments of him being good are just like, oh, they could have made Kaitith good, but no. His he's weapons bad. are dumb. His limit breaks are dumb. He's not very good at anything in particular. He's a bad character. Yep. So you go to Midgar. Um, you fight uh, the Turks or not, and then you f- go up and you go to the cannon. You fight Hojo. Anyone want to cover anything else other than that? Who, didn't Hojo reveal that he's Sephiroth's dad or something? Yep. Yep. Which well, I'm sure if you hair. told, I'm sure if you told Vincent, he would be very sad about this. Because that <laughs> means that when he was in Lucretia, she was boning Hojo. Ew. Yeah. I mean, apparently Hojo's a hit with ladies. Remember Costa del Sol. That's true. I mean, I yeah, know. but I bet in the most creepy way. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's just probably a player pickup artist. Yep. <laughs> of course he is. Hojo is a pickup artist. Yep, you know he is. It's gross. 
Hojo's going to take down all the red pills. <laughs> so you uh, fight Hojo. He's got three forms. It's ridiculous. The middle form is misspelled or mistranslated, which I always thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Heletic Hojo. It's supposed to be heretic because this game has the worst translation ever. Uh, but you fight, you kill Hojo. Everyone's sad about it, Jackson. You pointed out to me. Yep. Really? I don't remember this because I was cruising along. <laughs> what do you mean everyone's sad about it? I thought you said when you kill Hojo, everyone's kind of sad. Yeah, because everyone realizes this was a waste of time. They only deflated our momentum. And they all go back to the ship and they all just kind of stand around going, why are we doing this? If mm. we're going to do this big save the world push, we need to be sure. This is <laughs> thrown a wrench in our motivations and you get the scene with Cloud and Tifa on the... Uh, like on the shore, as everyone leaves to go figure out what's yeah. in their head. Yeah. Cloud's like, we have we have a couple days till the meteor hits, so go figure out why you're fighting and then come back. It's so and good. And I don't want you to come back unless you have an answer. And it's the most anime nonsense thing because it's like, no, go kill him ever, but it, it works. You're like, yeah, I got a little misty, misty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because is everybody gonna come back? I like Tifa's and Cloud's moment because it's clear that these are characters who like have this connection, but because everything's been so crazy, don't actually have the time to process what it all meant mm-hmm. until this moment where they just have this one like night and they're talking and then they have the thing where it, it's like, where Cloud's like, I don't even know how to tell you how I feel about you. And she's like, well, you, there's different ways of showing it than just telling someone. <laughs> and then they come close together and it tastefully cuts away. It pans up if I remember correctly, actually. To just the high wind against the sky. I don't remember, but that's pretty great. Yep. Implying that Tifa and Cloud had a night together. Oh, yeah, they, they wake up next to each other. Yep. And then you get back on the ship and you find out that everyone was there and maybe saw it. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I find funny about that moment, or all moments like that of the these people who are all messed up and like young people and everything, and they're working out themselves in this big tasteful moment, and then you just like they had quite possibly the most awkward sex ever. Oh, yeah. It's pretty great. Yep. <laughs> nice balance there. Nice balance. Pretty great. It, I mean, it was on rocks. It was probably uncomfortable. Oh, it was yeah. Cold. I, I didn't think of the rocks. Jagged. They don't have a blanket. Tifa's wearing, like, a mini skirt <laughs> and, like, a tank top. Oh. Quite possibly the worst place. <laughs> There's beds on the ship, guys. <laughs> yeah, they should have gone back up. They would have had more but privacy. But they're both too thing. young and awkward to say, we maybe we should do this in a better place. And I'm, well, the mood's here. I don't want to do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the moment where everybody shows up, where, like, Barrett obviously is there, and Red 13 is obviously there. But then you're like, oh, I guess Yuffie's not showing up. And she falls from the sky, and she's like, whatever. Stop talking about me. I'll show you. That was amazing. I'm here to fight. And then Vincent shows up, and they're like, "Wow, I didn't think a guy like you would show up." And uh, didn't doesn't Cloud say you? I thought you were too cool to show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> like, "I think like you were that. too cool, too cold." And he's like, "No, I'm just this way." <laughs> <laughs> just the most like offhanded Vincent comment. Oh, Vincent! But everyone's there, and everyone's ready to fight, including pilot and training level whatever. Yes, I, I love the fact scene. that he levels up. Yes, and they all hug. And you're off to the final dungeon. So good. Ta-da! Disc 3. And that just leaves us with the final dungeon, which, uh, when you get to, uh, I feel like both of, all of us completed this game kind of at a sprint. The pace of the final dungeon feels arduous in every possible way. Uh. In that, it starts with them giving you this one-off mechanic of, hey, we're gonna give you a save point in a chest, and it's your only save point for the inf- entire final dungeon. Which is actually, if you're not overleveled, a pretty hard place worth a bunch of enemies that can one-hit kill you. 
Yeah. Not very nice. Which, it's not that bad in terms of the pacing, because the way disc two ends is very, okay, we're, we're there, we're ready, let's go do this big thing. So it does prepare you for a slower, for like a three hour long fight thing with story at the end, but the way we were playing it. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you descend into the basically the center of the planet by climbing down this giant crater and enemies and there's that part where everybody splits up and it's terrible because you lose if you do it wrong you can lose all your party members for a little while which happened to destiny yep <laughs> learned it the hard way but i made it did through. that happen to you jackson or did you no okay <laughs> i it actually so, uh because i was i did the dumb thing in the guide where you duplicate all the treasures i had very specific party members that kind of sucked I think I was with Sid and Kate Sith for that whole sequence. Yeah. The worst uh, of the party members. Yeah, pretty much. No, I could have had Barrett. Um, Barrett's better than Sid. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Go to hell. Barrett is much better than Sid. At least my Barrett was, because he was my main party member until I got Red 13. Um, but you all coalesce at the center of the planet. And then Shinra's coming, right? Like, there's pressure. Like, you get to take your main party because Shinra's, like, assaulting the, the like, rim of this life stream entrance. Yeah, you're like, okay, people are coming down from above. You have to wait here. We're going to take care of this. Yep. And so you get your last, your two party members together and you dive into life stream and you're hopping on these rocks. Now, in maybe the best bit of bad translation in the game, when it's time to go, Cloud turns to everyone and goes, all right, everyone, let's mosey. <laughs> does he really? Yes, he does. I want to believe that's not a mistranslation. I want to believe that's just what Cloud would naturally I say. I hope let's so mosey. in my heart. <laughs> let's, let's mosey. mosey. Let's mosey. <laughs> Oh, wow. And so then you go down in this area and uh, you get attacked by... It's like random chance that you get, but it's like dragon zombies and uh, iron golems, iron knights, something like that. Yeah. Uh, they're hard enemies. They might be harder than the boss you're finding at the middle of the planet. I agree. <laughs> um, if you're not prepared for them. Um, they're way easier than that. You get to the middle of the planet, and you are assaulted by the final version of Genova, setting off the trio of boss battles. This battle is remarkable only in that Genova counts down from whatever, and then will cast Ultima. But you can probably kill her before she casts it. Did everybody kill her before she cast it? Uh, I think I hit with it once. Okay. Wait, I, I killed her, and then she cast it at the end. Oh, right, she does it as she's dying. So, you like, you kill her and you have to count down, and you're like, right, big guard, come on. Yep. Thanks for getting big guard, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, no problem. Good job. Proud of you. Proud of you. And then with Genova done, everyone is falls into the base, like the exact core of the planet, and in the core is Holy trying to emerge, but Sephiroth is there waiting for you, and everyone has their final moment where everyone's gathered around and being hit with Sephiroth's energy waves and all this nonsense. And they all are like, no, we have to hold out. This is the final fight. We have to do this. And they're all flying in space, and it's very ridiculous. And then you're given... The second boss fight of the three is weird in that based on criteria of how leveled you are and how fast you completed the Genova boss fight, you're given either one, two, or three parties with which to attack the middle form bizarro sephiroth oh i didn't know um, that that was based on that yeah it's it's your character levels 
whether or not you have Knights of the Round and how fast you killed Genova. Did anybody get more than two parties? I just had two. I had two. I had one. I had the best version of this, but I was underleveled compared to both of you, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, you you assault the various parts of Sephiroth. This is a classic Final Fantasy. This boss has 17 pieces boss fight. Um, the interesting thing is you have to switch. If you do get multiple parties, you have to switch off to expose the core and be able to kill it. So. You had a problem here? Yeah. So I do it. How'd the... I take out everyone I can take out, um... With the side, this other side, and I switched back to my main party because it said the party you kill this one with will be the party that goes through. Um, mm. So I'm like, okay, I want it with my actual party, and then they just didn't do any damage and kept healing everything. I was like, what's going on? And then I switched back to the other party, destroyed everything, went back to the other, and for about forty-five minutes, this is going on as I'm just all the momentum is gone from this brilliant ending, and I'm just like, this is the worst game ever made. I hate it. What was the problem? What was happening? Turns out the, the the bit you can attack with both people that I assumed was just invulnerable until you killed the other bit, you could only attack with one. Oh, you, interesting. You, like the core, there's like a left and a right side of it, but it just says E for both of them. Oh, okay. So oh. I, I realized, oh, I'm supposed to attack that one with the other the other guys, and then attack them, with, and then I made it. I um. I've never actually seen the two-party configuration of this boss. Well, no, because you were either ultra-powered super guy. Or the, every time before this, I had seen the three-party one, which is a giant nightmare. Um, because one of the parties is only two people, and that sucks. Well, not for you. I assume you had, you know... Oh, sure, your... everyone had everything. Yeah, okay, fine. Yes, <laughs> because in actuality, if you cast knights the round, you will kill this boss in a single hit. Nice. Oh, that probably would have taken me less time <laughs> to go get knights yeah. around. Yeah. It would have actually taken longer. It doing that takes an appreciable amount it would of time. Have fe- it felt like more than two hours fighting. But I, no, it was fine. And then it lists to one side and disappears, like dies, and it fades to black. And then you are hit with maybe the second most notable video game song in history. What's the, oh yeah, sorry. Super Mario. Yeah, was good. I, I worked it out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think Tetris is way more notable than this. Yeah, Tetris was up there. I was like, is this Tetris? Or Tetris whatever. is more notable than the one one game. It's oh, better debatable. to say the second most notable than the third. That just sounds ridiculous at that the point. The third most notable <laughs> theme. Yeah. I'm sure some eight-year-old is listening to this is like, Halo's more important. <laughs> is that how eight-year-olds talk? They talk like David Lynch. Halo's more important. <laughs> yes. Goldfinger Superman. <laughs> that Sonic theme. You know the one. And the safer Sephiroth uh, descends from the sky, and he is, in fact, the eponymous one-winged angel in that one of his arms has turned into a wing. <laughs> <laughs> and he is this weird seraph creature in that he's got, like, six wings coming off of him, and uh, you're fighting in like a null heaven space of like this cylinder that's just spinning and he proceeds to unleash uh, all of the things he's got on you in a ridiculous the weird thing about this boss is it just has like a loop of eight attacks that it does over and over again I don't like this so boss. heaven heaven help you if you come around to his summon again because I did I summoned it three times what's oh. it supernova yep I supernova. don't know what it's called uh, he has his own summon called Supernova, which is maybe the most ridiculous thing in all of Final Fantasy. It's the funniest thing in the whole world. 
And I was the only... first time. Yeah, I was only uh, it's, subjected to it It's not very it funny the third time if you got stuck on that other boss for over an hour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to explain that to the listener? Yeah, explain, because you, me and Jackson were on a Skype call with you as you were fighting this, and your reaction, we wish we had captured it. It was hilarious! <laughs> like, okay, so, I can't even begin. Where do I begin? So, essentially... You begin with equations. There are <laughs> equations floating through the air, and running then... Through space. Yes, running through space and time, and then it... Like, is it him going through the planets? Is he punching? No, it's a me- he's summoning the meteor. Okay, like, so the meteor a... hits one planet, then it hits another planet, then it hits another planet, then it hits another planet, and it, it just goes through. I, I want to say it, all nine planets. Oh, yeah, it's, it doesn't. It goes through about four of them. But I want to. I want to point out that most of the planets just explode, but Saturn it actually punches a donut hole into, and then Saturn <laughs> explodes. <laughs> yeah, and, and it gives a little. Thing ever. It gives a little title card for each planet, just so you know. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's so funny. It's and so, then it so funny. it plunges into the sun, and the sun balloons out and explodes, <laughs> and then it shows the sun consuming Mercury and consuming Venus, and then it cuts to your party as the wave of this sun explosion is creeping up yes. behind And then it's Sephiroth. like 400 damage. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than that, but it does hurt a lot. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. And he'll do that every eight turns. That's the worst part. Oh, That's the bad. unforgivable part. I feel bad. I, I didn't uh, have that many issues. This is it. aesthetically and like musically, I think this boss is super cool. But in terms of like an actual fight, it's the worst. Especially as someone who was like, I, my brain was just switched off at this point. Like, I just kind of blundered through it. Like I was leveled enough that it was fine. Yeah. But I never found my groove and I thought, like, right, I'm finding this boss. Let's do this. Uh, which mm-hmm. was a shame because it's the final boss of the game. But I mm. liked it. Like, in terms of, like, when it was done, I was like, oh, video yeah. game. Oh, yep. I enjoyed myself. This is maybe part of a larger discussion that we'll talk about with other games, but I feel like the final boss of a JRPG is almost never, like, fulfilling in the way that you're describing that you wanted. Uh, no. Uh, what have I thought? I've, like, Lost Odyssey. Lost Odyssey's final boss was fine. I, trashed, I don't think it's very interesting. I trashed it because, of course, I did. I was high level. Yeah, it's not mm. interesting. It's just fine. Um, the, uh, I know Bravely Default, we won't spoil it because Destiny still wants to play that, but the final boss is not interesting except for, like, a story thing around the final I boss. I don't remember who the final boss was. No, but you remember the story thing. Nope. I probably oh, really? do, but I just don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Isn't it, like, really weird? <laughs> oh, you don't even know. You need to play Bravely Default. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um. You didn't even know the thing before the thing before the thing. <laughs> oh my gosh i don't know the thing before the thing before the thing before the thing exactly anyway you take out uh safer sephiroth and he explodes or whatever and then you're given actual cutscene. no with no oh really you're given everyone's coming on everything everyone runs away and it still thinks and then cloud goes i feel sephiroth he's still around isn't this in a cutscene though no that's the the cutscene is the end of the game no, because there's... I remember this happening with the blue boxes. Okay, maybe it did. I don't remember. Because everyone runs away up the hill and you're buttoning through and she's like, Sephiroth's still here. And, and, and oh, Aeris, Tifa's like, we need to go. Oh yeah, you're right. And then it cuts to the... When he falls into the live stream again, it cuts to the cutscene. Mm. Okay, yeah. As he goes through the sliders tunnel. <laughs> 
feels Sephiroth is still here, and he flies through all of space yeah. to load up a single battle in which the only option is your limit break, the level four oh, limit no break. Slash. You emerge, you emerge out into the like the emptiness of the void with stars, and there's shirtless Sephiroth standing there waiting. And you, for you. kiss. <laughs> super hot and it just cuts between the two of you in like stand like dual pose and your limit meter starts climbing and climbing and climbing and then you get omni slash whether you unlocked it or not which i assume everybody instantly used yeah. and saw how ridiculous oh that yeah is. Oh, that was great if you if you don't use omni slash if you just let it wait sephiroth will attack you and then cloud will just do a standard counter attack and then it'll go back to the cutscene where sephiroth explodes <laughs> In the most anticlimactic thing That's in the pretty great. World. That's beautiful. So, um, I don't understand the point of that bit. Because it's cool. Okay. I don't understand why Cloud, the final thing is for Cloud to go kill Sephiroth on his own. Because he's... I, I literally think it's just giving you this moment that is cool. Okay. Because yeah. the whole point was that he isn't big, kill everyone, strong man. Yeah, I know. But it is pretty cool. <laughs> Except for when he does that. In yeah. 1997, it was really cool. Uh, and Sephiroth explodes into a bunch of particles of light. And then Cloud gets pulled out of the life stream. Is, does it do the dumb gag where he thinks it's Eris's hand in this? I don't remember. I think Is that a thing that happens or am I just thinking of Advent Children? I think, I think you're thinking, thinking of Advent Children. Children. Okay. He gets pulled out of the life stream by Tifa... Who... No, his heiress's hand is the bit in Advent Children with the summon. Okay, right. Um, and so Tifa pulls him out of the life stream and Cloud's like, oh, we need to go. Holy's erupting. We need to see what's going to happen. Um, he says something about Eris, though, right? Probably. I don't remember. All I remember is this ending he, is amazing. No, he, he says, I, I, think we'll, I think we'll see her there as like, this is the last oh, moment yeah, of like, yeah. saying like, goodbye. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, do you think we'll see her there? I thought... Um... I thought Tifa said that to him. Maybe yeah, one of them. They sure say it to Tifa each other. Okay, um, and then it cuts to the high wind going to where Meteor is touching down, mm-hmm. which is at Midgur. And as it's descending, like red tornadoes are tearing through Midgur and ruining everything. And you see some of this through Marlene, who has been spirited away to calm. I assume by Reeve. Pro- yes, no, he That's Reeve. That was the implication. Okay. Um, and. Uh, as that happens, me, uh, Holy rushes out of the northern crater and goes to try to block the meteor. But at this point, it seems like it might be too late. I, I just want to say that this is a very strange ending before we get... Yes. So, because you <laughs> fight the final boss, the climax mm-hmm. of the game is over, there is no more gameplay, and the thing that happens is a very tension-filled... The, 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 the thing is not over yet... It's very yeah. uneasy scene. You expect just a wrap up of oh, and then they save the day, and then this happens. Yep. No, because the implication is like you had to like you, this thing needed to happen, and you've made it possible for it to happen, but you don't even know for sure if it's going to happen nope. or not. That's true. You don't even know if it's going to work. Because you just say, yeah. we've done all we can. That's all we can do." Yep. And so you're just waiting for the end, if the end is going to come, and it seems for a while that it might, but then suddenly the life stream erupts out of the planet. And starts assembling around Holy and helps bolster Holy and push out Meteor as the entire planet starts fighting back, presumably, with the last of its energy, or like some of its energy. And then in that one moment where like the life stream's gathering, it suddenly flashes to Eris and then cuts to credits. It's pretty great. Oh. 
But yes. then and you have you have this the beautiful thing about it is that it provides absolutely no closure for any of these characters. Like they all get their separate like you know deal handled like uh you know Red 13 get his gets his angst with his dad figured out and Cloud yeah. figures out the whole uh, what happened at Nibelheim thing, but like overall, yeah, are, it's, it's not really complete. an end. There are like it's a complete story. I, like what this is is a basically spin in the face of the idea that okay, we now have to say what happened to all these characters next. Yeah, yep. and all all that matters is they got to that moment and that was enough for them right then. Mm-hmm. And whether they succeed or not is kind of irrelevant the way the game portrays it. So you go to the you, you watch the credits and they're lengthy, but then you get a scene of five hundred years later, and it's Red Thirteen now uh, older. There's gray in his beard in this. It's not just Evan Children, right? It's in this cutscene also where he looks a little grayer. I didn't I notice, but okay. In Evan Children, it's clear that his like fur is starting to gray, Aww. and I always like that. But I have a hard time at this point telling the two apart. Um, and it's him and like two cubs of his climbing up the rocks and suddenly they land on this precipice and you're you pans out to midgar 500 years later and it's just wreckage covered in plants and as a kid or a teenager playing this i've always held that the ending of this game is not clear that humans survive this at all no that's what i was thinking i yeah. was like everyone's may- gone maybe everyone died maybe at that moment everyone died but the planet lives on yeah the planet yeah. healed itself the planet's fine and I, I would be. It would have been so perfect if that had actually just been the final word on Final Fantasy VII. I agree. I, like I think there are things that you can do with those characters next that would be interesting. But the way that yeah, game for sure. ends is to even say anything else would be to subvert the power of just what that is as a full message. Stop. Yeah. And then it, you know, there's, there's, and then it, once the Midgard reveal happens, it cuts to. The laughter of children over black and then a star field, and that's it. Game over. Oh, it's so good. And the star field just goes on forever. Yeah. Yeah. We are not going to talk about Advent Children right now, because that's next segment. Tell me your final thoughts of coming out of Final Fantasy VII in and of itself. I'm glad I did it. I wish uh, more games were as unabashedly silly as this game tends to be. It's a game that's like taken really seriously in the history of gaming. It's a really silly game. We're going to have to play Metal Gear soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, People thought sure. that was serious! Well, I mean, like, it's, it's not a... Um, like, purposely silly game, was, but there's a lot talk, of, like, was, weird was, was, side about, quests. Yeah. Sorry? I was talking about Metal Gear. Oh, okay. Jackson, your thoughts as someone who originally said, oh, I don't need to play Final Fantasy VII, I know what that's about. <laughs> I was wrong. I stand by why I said that, because I feel like the game has been misrepresented not only by Square and everything they've done after it, but by the reactions around it and the things that are held as important and reverent. Uh, hey, Eris dies. Yeah. Sephiroth's cool. Yeah, yeah. neither of those things... Uh, one of the, only one of those things is true. Uh, Sephiroth is not cool. No, he's not. Sephiroth, I love Sephiroth's character, he's but... To interesting. Cool, he's interesting, yeah. He's a great character. He's not cool. He is so not with it. There is nothing together about that guy. Um, and just being the story about essentially these small moments and this guy realizing 
who he is and coming to terms with it, his own imperfections, is it was way more intimate and hit me harder than I thought it ever would. So I'm really glad I played it. Can't wait to play the rest of them. So, as someone who's played this game a bunch but hasn't played it in over a decade, I it kind of like boarded the train of hey, this game's kind of overhyped. Um, in that I the things I remembered were the translation's really bad and like it's got a bunch of rough parts and it looks really incongruous compared to like other Final Fantasies before and after. But re- I'm really glad that we returned to this in that many of the things that people complain about are things that I think give it a lot of character. Like the parts where it it is such a moment in time of they didn't know how to make an RPG in 3D and they tried a lot of things and not all of them worked, but it has so much in it and it's attempting to do so much that I really respect. And yeah, the translation's messy and bad sometimes, but like the, the characters in the story come through and they're interesting characters telling an interesting story. Like I, I came out of this with a bigger appreciation of what that game is trying to be. And the fact that it's like full of imperfections, I just think highlights how much it does get right yeah. and how much I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Now, Let's go to the next segment where we ruin all this goodwill. Dilly dally shilly shally. So, after all of that, let's talk about the cinematic masterpiece, the greatest video game movie ever made, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Nope. Tetsuo Nomura's directorial debut. That man has directed a movie. Yeah. Think about that. (laughs) What do you want? He might have actually done Spirits of Then, I don't know. I bet he didn't, though, actually, thinking about it. He was probably too young then. The spirits within. I was gonna watch that for this, and I was like, nah, nah, I can't subject fine. myself. Not even for, I don't mean for this. I just mean because I could, and I was like, I can't put myself through. That was Sakaguchi. Okay, great, of course. Advent Children takes place two years following Final Fantasy VII. Reading from the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, Take it, it, no, it takes place a four hundred ninety-eight years ago. Everyone survived, basically. Midgar was messed up, but everyone just moved out of Midgar and built another crappier city around Midgar. <laughs> um, just moved next door to Midgar yeah. in, in shitty Midgar. And then made a uh, monument to Midgar because everyone apparently lost loved ones or whatever. And uh, everyone's sad now. There's a thing called Geostigma that's like a plague that's attack, like coming and no one knows what to do with it. Uh, there's a talk on the news peripheral in the world that there's investigations whether Shinra's financially responsible for this crisis uh, which I feel like is weirdly anachronistically topical given that in the world of Final Fantasy 7 Shinra already was the government who's going to hold them responsible for anything right mm-hmm. um, 
Tifa runs a delivery service with Cloud, but Cloud's off being mopey and they're on the rocks, despite the fact that seemingly they were a couple and adopted multiple children. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot to happen in two years. Well, because works. Barrett's too busy not being in this movie because he's racist <laughs> to yeah. care oh. for Marlene. So now they're taking care of Marlene. But he's like up the When I heard Barrett speak in this movie, I was like, fuck Barrett's racist. Yeah, it, it's like way more upsetting than in the game. And also they like updated him with cornrows. Yep, his first line is his first is lying light. His there, his first line is just "What up, fool?" And you're like, "Oh God, oh no, oh, no, no, no!" So oh. we'll just talk shortly about the plot, and then we'll just talk about all our complaints about it. Uh, Here's the plot of Advent Children. Advent Children is about three Sephiroth clones that emerge out of the North Crater that want the last remnant of Genova to actually complete reunion. Because if they can get the Genova, like the piece of Genova with them, they can basically resurrect Sephiroth and they want to do that and then have Sephiroth continue to, what, destroy the planet or whatever, even though he doesn't have black material or anything. He has a, he, hey, he has. presumably has a plan that's never detailed. He, he says he has a plan. Yeah. Um, and Cloud is being tasked by the Turks and Shinra, who are actually the only true forces of good in this movie, I feel like, to stop it. Yeah, it's it. really strange. Because Cloud's just reactionary. Like, the Turks are actually trying to make things better. The Turks are the main characters of the movie. Yes. Like, the Cloud is the, has the ending and does everything because the movie is, like, sold on. Hey, watch Cloud fight Sephiroth in big CGI. Mm-hmm. But the people driving the plot are actually the Turks. Which is good because... I mean, they knew what they had, right? That must have been a reaction to the fact that everyone likes the Turks. I ass- yeah. The Turks are pretty great. I assume Green, almost Rio, everything forever. in this is, re- re- like, how much Vincent's in it, uh, mm-hmm. Tifa's redesign. Like, so much of this is clearly out of fan reactions to everything. How is Tifa's redesign a fan reaction thing? Because everyone her complained about smaller. her being, like, the the prototypical pre-Laura Croft gross booby lady. I mean, Yeah. I think that was but a big would... thing in the West, specifically. They're like, this is an okay. unreasonable... Like, she would not look like this if she was, like, your fighter lady. Okay. Um, I remember that discussion around the same time Laura Croft came out. I don't really associate um, companies saying, we have to do this thing to appease the fans and do the right thing with making things less gross. <laughs> but, I mean, Tifa in Advent Children is, like, the coolest character in the entire world. Well. She's pretty great. Well... Okay, <laughs> Reno and Rude are the coolest characters in the entire world. Oh, yeah. But Tifa's up there. Dilly dally shilly shally. Look, she <laughs> says something dumb. <laughs> she said But I'm going to blame the writers. Tifa would never say that. Okay. Tifa would never say that. She's too cool. On her Panasonic P600. So, <laughs> I went into this with kind of split about my opinion, because I remember when this movie came out, it was stunning. But in my memory... Like, my my perception going in was I will probably think, oh, this movie looks too much like just every video game now. And in terms of people, it does. I think it's realistic anime people look almost universally weird. Uh, it doesn't really work for them. Uh, but I think in terms of, like, environments and just look at all the pretty stuff happening all the time, the movie still looks stunning. Yeah, it's really, really pretty. The environments are incredible. Just from a beautiful CG movie, this is worth a watch, I feel like. I agree. Which is good, because the rest of it's dumb as rocks. 
Oh yeah, it, it it totally ruins the ending of the game, like everything that that kind of built and what it all meant. Yeah, and then it it, it panders in a really eye rolly way. Even though I will admit that I uh, was super happy to see uh, Tifa do a limit break in a fight while the battle theme played on a piano. Yeah, uh, that was that was a lot of fun. It was nice to see just everything I liked about the game in a movie, but. Uh, not a good movie. Yeah, the 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 worst offender here is Cloud is put back to his disc one mopey taciturn. I don't need anybody. I'm a lone wolf. In fact, they give him a ghost wolf that follows him around to underline <laughs> this point. Self. Yes. It's so dumb. It's the dumbest. He does Absolute get a cool bike. Dumbest. The bike's name he... I know this because I'm awful is Fenrir. <laughs> Just underlining oh that. Oh my mopey. god. <laughs> yeah, no, he's totally is. not. Yeah, it is. Who named the bike? Wow. Tetsunomura, probably. But in the universe, does Cloud go like, come on? I just assume Cloud did. Okay. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? He's got like a wolf head on his like shoulder now. Marlene uh, named it. <sighs> did Denzel name it? Denzel. Denzel. Sorry. They changed the pronunciation to make it not sound like a ridiculous name, but uh, or to make it sound more like an anime name, but no, that dude's name is Denzel. That kid. Denzel. I mean, it's not as bad as Kadaj, Laws, and Yazoo. <laughs> Yazoo <laughs> is a drink. Yazoo. I like that band. No, Yazoo is a drink. It's a chocolate milkshake. Yazoo. But yeah, all this cloud stuff is terrible, but I will totally admit that I enjoy watching these characters do the do charactery things with Final Fantasy music playing. I like Sid. Like I don't really like Sid as a character anymore as an adult, but I've always loved the idea of dragoons in Final Fantasy of like Lance characters who like leap in the air and like attack dragons with their giant spears. And so when Sid does that, I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like I think I said before the call, but um, before the cast, but. Uh, I'd be like sitting there thinking, it's just boom, boom, ruining the movie, they're doing everything wrong, just ruining this beautiful game. And then Cloud or like Tifa will do a thing and the Final Fantasy music will play for the, the same music in the game and I'll go, yes! Oh yeah. It, 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 it hits all the nerd buttons, <laughs> yeah. but it, it, story-wise, bleh. And sometimes it knows that it's really goofy. Like all the Turk stuff, the fanfare mm-hmm. theme on the cell phone is great. <laughs> Oh, that made me laugh. That was so good. Because it, uh, it doesn't just have it. It goes on. You know, the yeah. The idea that everyone just put their material in a box because they don't need it anymore. The idea is- that the way they equip their material was shoving it into their arm. Yeah, that was also really alarming. Yep. The idea... That- oh, that's, that's true. Everything Yuffie says... Everything she, she does. Everything she, she has says. as many lines as she has in the game, which is four... But here, she's the best character in the movie because she turns up and she's like, who stole my materia? (laughs) And she basically like is there to thumb her nose at everybody. Yeah, because she's like, wait, why can't we help Cloud? Because he needs to do this alone. No, because Sid's like, because he needs to do this alone, it's a man thing. Oh, I forgot that Yuffie has none of that shit. (laughs) She's like, sexist, sexist. And Barrett's like, we men don't know either. (laughs) Yeah. That's the best line of the movie. <laughs> that was pretty great. I forgot that happened. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, oh, and then Sephiroth comes back. And then Sephiroth comes back because it's not enough to have a half hour of dumb sword fighting. You have to have the ultimate dumb sword fight with Cloud and Sephiroth 
fighting Forever. on the side of building, inside buildings, in upside down <sighs> pieces of building as they so... fall around each other. Just wow. Just wow. The movie has like no structure. <laughs> like, like there's fights. It just uh, repeats there's... the plot of the game. Yeah, but like there's fights early on and like the main characters have no agency and the Turks are just kind of doing everything and putting everyone into place in the most okay, everyone needs to be here now. And then at some point, with no like impetus or actual plot drive, the movie decides, Alright, time for the last day of the movie, action scenes till the end. You get the sense that Tetsuo Nomura loves The Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good point. Like, up and down. That is just the thing that this movie reeks of to me. I mean, it has a highway chase sequence. It has all the dumb flying fight stuff. that's now just become associated with Final Fantasy because of thirteen. Thanks a lot. Uh, it's. Uh, I, I want to say it's unfortunate, but honestly, I was entertained. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, so maybe I'm part of the movie. problem. Well, the thing is, the way the fights are shot uh, is great. I, the problem is the fights are all bad uh, and have no like context. Or yeah, they don't tell any goals. story. The only the only fight with an actual story is the uh, the Bahamut fight. That's the fight with the story. Yep. And like the one, that the, the, they so easily could have a story. Like the one in the church with Tifa is the best like looking fight in that movie. Yes. But if the if he came in and said. I'm here for Marlene, and she went, no, you can't have him, then there are suddenly stakes! Yep, instead it's like, hey, yep. let's play. Yeah, they, they, he, they toy with each other, and then he just knocks her out and steal, steals Marlene. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Because <laughs> in terms of it being just this, you know, Matrix movie, but in CGI so it can do cool fight stuff and has no limits in what it can show, like, I think that a lot of superhero movies at the moment would benefit from just being animated. Because yeah. the, the fights look cooler. They're half animated anyway. This is the realisation of that. Is Here's what happens when you can just make everything up. Problem is, the story is bad. Yep. Kadaj. <laughs> Kazoo! <laughs> or Yazoo! <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, it has that bit with the summon, which is the best part of the movie. I enjoyed that. Because Kadaj summons Sin Bahamut, which is what it's called in the lore, <laughs> because screw everything. Final Fantasy X was big, too. <laughs> <laughs> and they everyone gathers to fight Sin Bahamut, but then it flies above everyone's reach, and Cloud's like, I'm the one who can do this. So he has to leap up into the air, and... This is a scene that should be in, like, an Avengers movie, where everyone has to help out, like, make the lead hero do, like, the one thing. It's a brilliant scene. It's a yeah. great scene. Everyone gets their one moment, and they get to say a line as they, like, boost Cloud higher and higher up into the air, until he essentially <laughs> just becomes Goku Superman, with, like, he's flying <laughs> through the air and trumpet fanfare is playing, but he's also, like, a glowing energy ball. It's They're... the best, dumbest thing. Except... In the director's cut, there's one bit added that I hate, that I know you don't I hate as been... much. Uh, the, the scene with Zack wasn't in the original. Is there a Zack scene in the Bahamut sequence? Yes. He, when he's going through the cloud, it pauses and Zack's the thing that f- throws him out the rest of the way. And he has no, a little chat. No, it's hand. Uh, no, but bef- it might, either before that or after that, there's a Zack scene. No, there's not. There's definitely a Zack scene. That is not it. I watched this two days ago. It is definitely not in that sequence. I need to load it up on my iTunes, but I remember that. 
And no. if my brain has invented that memory in less than a week, <laughs> then I don't even know. Yeah. What's wrong. I mean, there's a lot of needless Zack sequences in that game. I'm loading up the game, in that movie, right but in the movie, yeah, uh, beautiful homoerotic Zack scenes. Like where, my honor now. where Zach apparently is now thinks of Cloud as his living legacy. I hate that. Yeah. We're like, no, you took up my mantle legacy. because I wanted you to, even though I barely knew you. But yep. you need to live up to my memory, even though the entire game is about Cloud letting go of this idea that he has to be someone he's not. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That movie Worst. gets everything wrong about those characters. It's not good. It's it's bad. No, it's terrible. It's really awful. There's some moments. I mean, it's fun, we, but it's not good. We talked about the moment. I mean, there's other moments like Marlene hiding behind Vincent's cloak. <laughs> I loved that. That was really cute. The conversation between the Turks where they talk about how can we atone for this. I like that bit. Yep. I like uh, all the Turk stuff. I like that. Uh, Elena and Sang just show up at the end like, oh, we're not dead. Yeah, no, we don't die. We're immortal. Turks are immortal. Gotta save the boss. They save the boss more than they care about anything about saving the world. (laughs) (laughs) It's their job. Yep. They're professionals. I like that Rufus is just hiding the MacGuffin of this story, like, with him the entire time. Yeah, it's really weird. I was like, that he's like, under this cloak, it's like, oh, is he like, disfigured in there is he gross gross in there there, and suddenly he stands up and throws off his cloak and he's just attractive anime man with a bandage (laughs) it's brilliant (laughs) and he's got a weird like sideways twisting future gun (laughs) nope what i'm watching the scene right now and i i'm wrong yeah, I knew you were wrong. I'm so wrong. How the hell did this happen? How did I? <laughs> what happened to my brain? Because I vividly remember that scene. Maybe it's a different scene earlier on with Zach. You just wanted it to happen. There's a so lot badly. of earlier scenes. Oh with Zach. no! It's when he kills Sephiroth that he has the Zach bit. Yep. Sorry, yep. that's when it. I knew it was at a pivotal before he does the final blow thing. That's okay. No, it's terrible in that moment. Okay, at least he doesn't ruin the best moment. Phew. The uh. The maybe the most unnecessary part of the complete like director's cut thing is this one sequence where Sephiroth just stabs Cloud a dozen times and Cloud's just bleeding everywhere. It's the most horrifying <laughs> thing in a movie what? that's been really like PG thirteen about its violence. Well, complete yeah. added more violence. What's that was that one of the about? points of it. Yeah, complete violence. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> they made the Sephiroth fight longer. Ugh, that was too long. Far too I was, like, barely hanging on. I was falling asleep. Matt can attest. And that was the longest thing ever. Because you're sitting so there like, long. oh no, who's gonna win? Yeah, oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Some part of me is still into Sephiroth and his bedroom voice, though. I hate oh, yeah. Sephiroth's no, bedroom voice. No, he's super pretty. He's oh, super I, pretty. I, he's like, hello, Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, one wing angel hits and he just, like, swings his sword and Cloud's suddenly flying, like, a hundred miles away. <laughs> Someone who really liked Sephiroth's character. That voice is not his character! I, love I mean, yeah, you're right, but this is what Sephiroth has become in the culture. I know! And playing Final Fantasy VII, one of the best parts was realizing how much better Sephiroth was than that. Yep. It's true. That's not a man who his angry and like his mother's been taken from him and whatever nonsense and you know is on the at the edge of his tether just rather destroy the world than face anything 
Instead, you get... Hello, Cloud. I'm going to give you a present, Cloud. Shall I Whoa. give you despair? Whoa! <laughs> I want the present. <laughs> He's just saying the most, like, goofy, villainous lines in the entire world. And they're totally <laughs> incongruous with all of the action happening. Yeah, it's really weird. Advent Children's a dumb movie. I still oh. like it. I'm glad I own it on Blu-ray now. <laughs> so what is Spirits Within? Tell Let's me. Tune in next time. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. We'll tell you about that after this podcast. Yeah, well, this, that's not within the realm of this, but it's it's a movie. Okay. So, it has nothing to do with these games. No, no. But yes, there's a Sid in it. It's a different Sid. So okay, that's the end of Final Fantasy VII RPG Explorers Club. What do you think we should do next? Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> it's on the list. It's a contender. World of Warcraft. <laughs> No! <laughs> no! And this is someone who actually likes that game. Uh, I, I don't know. Final Fantasy VIII, sure. We'll do another one and then burn out f- two hours in. We won't do that. No. We'll complete it, because we do that. We complete things. We're going to be alright. I don't know if we should do another one in between, but this is not... You, you have derailed this. I, I meant to do that. I told Destiny I was going to do this, so she knew. Oh, well, yeah, I coming. was unprepared. <laughs> Is we this... will, we've decided, I mean, this is going to continue for anyone listening, um, but we're not going to do another RPG until the first of the year. Uh, I don't know if we're going to start, I mean, we'll start at the first of the year, so don't expect another one of these kind of casts until probably February. Um, but we're doing more, right? whether it's Final Fantasy or not, and there'll be announcements made in various podcasts. Don't worry about that. So... Plugs, let's get out of here. We've talked about Final Fantasy too much. Oh my god, mm-hmm. this podcast went on yeah. forever. We've caught too many chocobos. Jackson. Didn't get night on the round. Plugs. Plugs. I'm tilya 2 on Twitter. You can find our stuff at abnormalmapping.com and I also have a podcast called Trashback Ratio, which these chuckleheads are on, and some guy called Kyle, who we love. <laughs> you love. We love. You two love. You love him too. Matt loves him the most. Destiny? Yep. I have a podcast called Badland Girls. That can be found on iTunes and at badlandgirls.com. We have our 100th episode coming up in a couple of weeks, so that's really exciting. And I am at FridgeBuzzNow on the Twitter. Um... I have a book club, I guess, at booksforcrooks.tumblr.com, but you know where to find me. I'm at LitRock, L-A-T-R-O-C-K, and, uh... Plug the Abnormal Mapping YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, put in Abnormal Mapping. Bayonetta 2 is going up as we, as this podcast goes up. Final Fantasy 13 continues into its infinite episode because that game will never end. <laughs> you can hear me talk about Final Fantasies old and new and hear me get exasperated at RPGs in general as I go on. This is your fault. <laughs> you did this to yourself. I did do it to Aww. myself. It's actually been a pretty good journey. How far through the journey are you? Not very. Okay. I haven't played in a, like a week and a half. Oh, this is going to be fun to go back to. Come back next time when we do our gameography for Mike Joffe. That'll be coming up in a couple weeks. It's already in the can. It looks good. We will see you guys around the bend next time. Dilly dally shilly shally. No.
Jenny, 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 Jenny,